Welcome all you fiends to episode 122 of the Grave Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. I am Taylor of Terror and Guten Krampusnacht. Yes, tonight is that magical night of the year where a foul demon from hell <laughs> comes to the earth and collects up all the, ev- or all the naughty children in the world and takes them and eats them. Beats them with reeds. Yeah, with birch branches and chains. Yep. So that's fun. The most wonderful time of the year. Uh, yes. Every So the 6th of December is the Feast of St. Nicholas. That's the day that St. Nicholas comes and rewards all the good children of the earth. All the, all the Gentile children. Um, Wait, are you saying... Oh, yeah, I guess I was... I was going to say, are you saying not Jews? But yeah, I guess they don't do all that Christmas yeah, that, stuff. <laughs> I don't think Jews subscribe to St. Nicholas. Um, Fair enough. But the night before on December 5th, that's when Krampus comes. Uh, just, you know, he's, he's kind of like uh, how the garbage men, like like in New York, like the garbage men come out in the middle of the night and collect up all the garbage off the sidewalks and then they, they spray, uh, pressure wash the sidewalks. It's kind of like that. Kinda cleansing the earth of the naughty children. <laughs> yeah. Although I was reading that, like, some believe that it's, it's only for a year. Like he takes them away for a year and then brings them back or something. I'd never heard that before, but. So he brings them back the next year. I guess. Just straightens Just about like a boarding school. Takes them to Krampus boot camp. <laughs> <laughs> um. But that's that's it. And uh, anyway. <clears throat> How's it going, Taylor? Oh, it's going pretty well. Yeah, we're not doing uh, we're not doing any Krampus movies today. Sorry no, to disappoint. But why didn't we? Because we're stupid. I mean, there are so many Krampus movies that came out after Krampus did, or around the time that Krampus did. Yeah, like there's so many bad looking movies. Yeah, you could have watched any number of those. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but we fucked up. There's like, I think there's one called Krampus Night. Krampus Night. Yeah, I know there's one called Mother Krampus. Mother Krampus. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> They all look like uh, sci-fi channel movies. Like oh, for sure. Like the Asylum or something. Yeah. Um, but They know. all have like glowing red eyes for some reason. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, we're not doing that. We're doing fucking Tales from the Hood instead. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, uh, we've been it? wanting to for a while. so. Yeah, it's it, Tales from the Hood 2 has been out for, what, a couple months at this point, right? At least, yeah. But, yeah. I, when they announced it, it was... <laughs> I was pretty excited, and then when it came out, I like I didn't even know that it was out. Yeah, I just sprung like it's like here hey, it is. Surprise. <laughs> um. Anyway, what's new? Uh, not much. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How's life? Oh, you know, taking forever. <laughs> um. Still shilling uh, tickets for the Great Plot Film Fest. Still available. Get yours today. Greatplotfilmfest.com. Hottest ticket in, set in town, guys. Uh-huh. That's what they tell me. Get one now before it's too late. <laughs> Selling like hotcakes they are. Like really shitty hotcakes. <laughs> like hotcakes that have a bad reputation. <laughs> hotcakes that nobody wants. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm hoping that things pick up once we actually start like advertising. Yeah. You know, around town where people might actually buy tickets. Right. 
Um, we got to get our poster figured out. Yeah, he's working on it. I know. I believe you. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, thanks to anybody that watched Skeletoni's Workshop of Horrors. Uh, that was a, a long time coming, and it's. <laughs> I, I know it's a, a long video. I didn't mean for it to be that long. It just kind of got away from me. <laughs> <laughs> and you're working on a new one, right? Yeah. Um, I'm hoping that's going to be out by the time you're listening to this. Oh, really? Yeah. So you're going to go from taking like eight months to do one to just like two days? Well, I think I've got the process kind of worked out. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm hoping that it's it's not going to take as much time. And the, the, the really the, the, the longest part, and I think anybody else that does YouTube videos or, you know, has a, has a video blog of any kind can vouch that probably the most time-consuming thing is editing. I'm sure. Uh, I mean, especially because my laptop is not geared for video editing. Like, editing the podcast, it's fine. I have no trouble, especially because I boosted up the RAM. But um, my, uh, yeah, it, it's it's not good for video. I think my processor just isn't strong enough mm. to process all of it, especially, <clears throat> especially because I'm uh, uh, shooting at 1080p. So... Imagine that takes up a lot of memory. Yeah. I, I considered shooting at 4K, but that would be even worse. Yeah. Like it would take probably twice as long. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, if you guys haven't checked it out yet, it's on our YouTube YouTube channel. Um, I go through the process of creating a um, Jason hockey mask from Friday the 13th Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. And the reason, like, I went over this in the video. The reason it took so long, like, the video itself, is because the straps um, on the mask are, they're not just simple, like, elastic straps or just, like, a, a solid leather band. It's, like, they're parts that you have to assemble. Yeah. And, like, you know, weathering everything to make it look screen accurate. It's just time-consuming as fuck. A lot going on. Yeah. And plus, you know, life. <laughs> life uh, finds a way. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, our YouTube channel, it's, I think it's just <clears throat> youtube.com slash graveplot podcast. Right? It's actually youtube.com slash C, the letter C slash graveplot podcast. All uh, right. I believe it's for channel. Ah, that makes sense. Um, and it's just a little playlist on there. It's only got one video right now, but. Could be too soon. Hopefully too. Um, if not, it'll be out shortly after. It's just a matter of balancing, editing the show. I still have to put up like Christmas decorations in my house and, um, you know, going to work. Like those are time consuming things in the Yeah. Health. Tony's making a full head to toe Krampus costume. <laughs> yep. I'm going to walk around town. He's going to hand lay the hair all himself. I'm going to go walk around downtown Seattle in the middle of the night. He's going to have a one-man Krampus parade. <laughs> How eerie would that fucking be? Just like, especially if it was like... I would call the cops. <laughs> I would absolutely 100% call the cops. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Neat. narc. Whatever. <laughs> There's a fucking creepy Krampus man walking down the street. I'm calling the cops. <laughs> anyway. Uh, cool. Anything else to, to chat about? Um, man, I feel like there was something, but now I don't remember if it was any important. So, mm. cool story, Katie Holmes. I oh, this is 
stupid, but um, I love how people were all like, oh, now The Walking Dead has talking zombies. I'm so fucking done. It's like, yeah, it's not, that's not what it is, idiot. It's like, <laughs> you clearly haven't read the book. Yeah. <laughs> or read anything on the internet, like anything at all. Yeah. Like, just follow their Twitter. They spoil the shit out of every episode. <laughs> it's true. But, I mean, they've been talking about The Whisperers forever. Yeah. Like, for, like, the last two seasons, the in- entire internet was just like, oh, I wonder when The Whisperers are going to go. Oh, Whisperers. <laughs> you have, a, have you been watching it lately? No. Okay, because I don't even know what happened with Negan. Uh, did something happen with him? Um, I don't know. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Maybe. He, he was just, like, the guy, but now they're doing The Whisperers, so it's like, what happened? Maybe him and the Whisperers are going to fight. I mean, maybe. <laughs> that could happen. Okay, it could happen. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Carl's dead. Yay! Carl, I mean, he's he's been dead, but he wasn't supposed to be dead. No. Uh, which is interesting because in the books, like, later on, I think it's like a couple years down the line after the, the Great War with, with Negan, or with the... Uh, the prison? No, um... Saviors? Saviors, thank you. Saviors and people from Alexandria. Um, you know, Negan ultimately gets captured and they just keep him in a prison cell for years. <laughs> um, and uh and then they killed Jesus. And Jesus isn't supposed to die, not yet anyway. But, you know, whatever. It's okay, he'll be back in three days. <laughs> I see what he did there. Yeah. <laughs> Religion <laughs> joke. Apparently, the guy that played him was just, like, really unhappy with the show. So was Carl's, uh, Chandler Riggs. Riggs's dad. He, he, like, threw a fit when they killed off Carl. Didn't he want to leave? And There was rumors he was, like, trying to go to college and stuff, and so he was trying to leave the show. But, yeah, when he leaves, he was like, oh, Gimple's a liar. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe he is. A lot of people have accused him of being an asshole. Yeah, well, maybe he is. I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. Like, like Jesus in the books, he's like, "Don't fuck with the Jesus." Right. I mean, yeah, you don't fuck with the Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's like, uh, like an integral part of the team. He like, especially in in the fight against the Whispers. Uh, but now he's dead. So, <laughs> uh, but I guess the guy was like happy to leave because the he felt like the character was being underutilized. Uh, yeah. And he totally was, but like I said, I haven't seen any of this season. But yeah, he was from what I saw in the previous seasons. Yeah. Anyway. Cool. Anyway, yeah. Um. So before we head into real world, you know, why can't I get past that hump? Words are hard. They are. They're <laughs> difficult. Um. Before we get into horror business, that's what I meant to say. Uh, wanna... wow. Okay, want to thank our Patreon patrons. <laughs> this is what you pay for, guys. <laughs> Quality speech therapy for Tony. <laughs> I feel like my brain's deteriorating. <laughs> like I'm having harder. It's harder... deteriorating. Did you see? see? <laughs> or maybe it's just like me fail English. That's impossible. <laughs> Well, you know, my tongue is like too big for my mouth. I think my teeth are too close together. And so <laughs> I, it's like, I, I think my, my bottom teeth are too uh, narrow, I guess, like the opening or my, my lower palate is too small for my tongue. And so my entire life, like 
I had to force myself to speak correctly. Uh, like I went to school with this guy who like he pronounced all his R's with W's and that kind of thing because of the same reason. Like his tongue was just too big for his mouth. Hmm. So I put a lot of time and effort into making sure I'm saying words correctly, <laughs> you know, being very deliberate with the way I pronounce things. Um, and, uh, no, I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm getting old. Like my brain's just like, ah, fuck it. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> anyway. But before we get into horror business, we want to thank our Patreon patrons. Yes, we do. <laughs> Even though they may be regretting it by now. Um, but yeah, a very special group of people hand over their hard-earned money to give us uh, to um, dance naked and burn money in the moonlight <laughs> or just, you know, spend it on hookers and blow and film festivals and film festivals. We actually haven't any spent any of that on the film festival. We haven't spent anything yet. That's true. <laughs> we will. I promise Indiegogo. Have we like, we mentioned that on the, on the show before, like we had already resolved that we weren't going to get like our goal. Yeah, we were in budget cutting mode already. Yeah, and we had already cut a lot of things. It's just like, okay, well, this is what we're getting. This is what we're getting for the money that we're going to get. What? Oh, uh, Mike called you Barbara Walters. <laughs> <laughs> or Baba Wawa, as my dad calls her. <laughs> I don't have a, a hazy background. Or no, it's uh, Diane Sawyer. Yeah. Never mind. Same show, though, right? I don't know. Whatever. I don't care. You know what? I keep getting sidetracked. <laughs> Our Patreon patrons that are so good to us every month are Kevin Nesgoda, Jordan Morrison, Kevin Trent, Joshua Hodges, Carlos Rodella, The Horror Addicts, Max Zaleski, and Aaron Meyer. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, we appreciate everything you uh, do to us every month. To us? We have to watch a lot of shitty movies because of them. No, that's true. <laughs> um, but uh, Taylor... This guy right here, Taylor, you see him. <laughs> if anybody else would like to join the club and help contribute to the show, where can they go? They can go to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. For as little as $1 a month, we will watch all the shitty movies that you request. In an orderly fashion. I, yeah, one a month. <laughs> Don't get crazy. Uh, you know, the more you give, the more you get. Up to $100 will get you a fat unicorn tattooed on my posterior. Yep. That's right. Do it, guys. It's out there. He's put it out there. Just just do it. It's an official <laughs> tier on Patreon. He's contractually bound by it. It's true. Sort of. I don't know how ironclad those Patreon terms are. Yeah, I don't know. If, <laughs> I don't know if false advertising applies or... <laughs> uh, anyway. Cool. So, want to do some horror business now? Yeah, let's do that. All right, starting out with some real-world horror. Uh, Taylor, you remember over 100 years ago when the Titanic uh, sank, right? Oh, yeah, Leo was there. Leo! He was all like, I'm king of the world! Yeah. Yeah, I remember. And then uh, What's-Her-Face was like, draw me like one of your French girls. Yeah, Rose. Yeah. Let me show you my titties. <laughs> she said that. 
That's, that's one of the deleted deleted scenes. I think she said, "Draw me like one of your French girls." He was like, "Well, the French girls pull their tits out." <laughs> uh. Anyway, and she was all like, "Merci, blah blah." <laughs> Well, the captain of the Titanic won Edward John Smith. Uh, EJ, as his friends call him. <laughs> as he liked to be called. Um, apparently, he owned a mirror, as many of us do. <laughs> That's not the story. <laughs> Stick with us. There's more. <laughs> there is a 110-year-old mirror that was believed to be... Uh, once possessed by uh, Captain Smith, who left it on the dressing table of his home in Stoke-on-Trent uh, before he left on the Titanic. And as many of you know who saw the movie, he didn't make it home. Nope. He went down with the ship like any good captain would. I don't think the Navy plays taps. They should. I mean, maybe they do. I don't know. <laughs> what am I? Some kind of... Some kind of seaman? <laughs> some kind of, you know... Sailor boy? Sea person. <laughs> oh, is that the politically correct term now? <laughs> <laughs> I don't... I think... Yeah, I think sailor is probably just the right nomenclature now, rather than seaman. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Actually, or is it, I mean, would you have to be more specific, like as their role in the Navy, like cadet or commander or whatever? Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I think seaman is a, a rank. Seaman is a wank. <laughs> <laughs> it's the result of a wank. <laughs> yeah, I got it. <laughs> Just throwing ropes. All right. <laughs> we move on with the story. Anyway, Captain Smith. Tell had, me more about this mirror. He had this mirror. So so he had this mirror, Taylor. Um, and a servant of the captain, Ethelwyn, was offered to take one item from his home uh, after he died. And she opted to keep the mirror. Because why wouldn't you want a mirror? I mean, maybe it's a pretty nice mirror. It's probably a nice mirror, I guess. I mean, if it's been around for over 100 years, yeah, it must be a pretty nice mirror. Right? Probably. I don't know. I got to see this mirror now. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, the maid told relatives that she could see Captain Smith's face in the silver-framed easel mirror each year on the anniversary when the Titanic sank, which was April 12th? Yeah, it's right in front of you. 14th. April 14th. <laughs> Fuck, are you... <laughs> Steered me astray. It's nineteen twelve. That's what I was thinking of. April fourteenth, nineteen twelve. Um, yeah. So she said she can see uh, Captain Smith's face in the easel mirror each anniversary of the Titanic sinking. Uh, auctioneer Richard Winterton said the last time. I mean, it's all right. That's an all right mirror. I've seen better. I mean, is that real gold around the outside, though? I don't know. It might be like a, a gold leaf. <clears throat> Could be just like spray paint. Could be. Just some Rust-Oleum. <laughs> yep. um, auctioneer Richard Winterton said the last time Captain Edward John Smith saw his own noble bearded visage leaving home. Wh- visage? 
It's Visage. Well, you got to fancy it up. You ain't fancy. (laughs) I'm sorry. Visage for the layperson. (laughs) Um, Before leaving home to take the helm of the Titanic was possibly in this very mirror. I mean, yeah, probably. My God. (laughs) Unless he had more mirrors. Maybe if one of us gets famous or both of us one day gets famous, we can start selling mirrors that we looked in. (laughs) Um, Captain Smith must have surveyed his own image in this mirror countless times in the legend that is... Legend that his face can still be seen on each anniversary of the Titanic's sinking is as compelling as it is chilling. There's an exclamation point. Yep. He was very excited about it. I mean, he was an auctioneer, so he probably was like, <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Always talking fast. <laughs> uh, whoever buys this in December will have it uh, in a good t- in good time to test that legend for themselves on the 107th anniversary next April. Um, you know... There used to be a process in um, this is something I saw on like uh, something on like the science channel at some point. So my memory of it is hazy, but the way they used to make mirrors, um, they used some kind of like, like nickel or silver in it. And you can actually burn an image into a mirror. So, I mean, that would easily explain (laughs) this. But why does it only happen once a year? I think that's probably nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's probably being made up. Uh, Anyway, so that's probably it. You trying to go make a bid? Hmm? Trying to go make a bid? No, I'm not not going for that. I see what you're doing. You're trying to lowball them. You're like, yeah, it's probably nonsense. I'll give you (laughs) $1,000. Like a garage sale. (laughs) So I don't know. It's a little banged up in the corner. But the mirror is expected to fetch more than 10,000 pounds. Poons? Pounds. You're saying poons? Yeah, 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 Taylor, I'm saying poons. From collect uh, 10,000 pounds from collectors when it goes up for auction in Litchfield staffs with uh Richard Winterton auctioneers this December. Don't they use euros now? The UK? Yeah. No. No, oh. they still use pounds. A pound is still worth more than a euro, I'm pretty sure. No. Um, What's 10,000 pounds in U.S. dollars? Uh, I think generally a pound is worth about around $2. So, Looks like it's $12,762.02. Really? The pound pound used to be almost twice the dollar at one point. Not anymore, apparently. I guess not. Now it's about one and a quarter. Neat. Uh, So you're trying to get a mirror? I mean, this is the plot to Oculus. I mean, yeah, it's pretty close. <laughs> Haunted mirrors and all that. At an auction. Karen Gillan, you know. Yeah, Karen Gillan, EJ Smith, same person. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, I'll get you this for Christmas if, you want, if you're trying to get a mirror. I don't know what to get you for Christmas, so I'll, I'll just get you a mirror. This mirror, though. That Not mirror. just a mirror. <laughs> you don't have $1,200 or $12,000 for it's, mirrors. It's pounds. That's that's play money. No, it's 10,000 pounds. 10,000 pounds. It's like Monopoly money. It's not even real. <laughs> have you seen a pound? It looks ridiculous. <laughs> Is it worse than a loony? Loony, loony, loony. No, loonies are made of plastic. Those look even more ridiculous. Can, have, you, have you seen Canadian money? Just the paper. Just the, 
Not like coins. Oh. Is a loony paper? Well, I guess a loony is a coin. That's why I thought. It's a one dollar or it's a one dollar coin. It's got a loon on it. Yeah. That's why they call it that. They they do call it that. Then they have the two loony, which is called a toonie. <laughs> Aptly named. No fucking brain cells lost on that one. <laughs> um But no, the, the Canadian money looks and they have a thruny. They don't have a thruny, that's and, not a thing. And Mickey Rooney. <laughs> You're making things up. <laughs> He's making this up. <laughs> anyway, so anyways, yes, get me, get me the mirror. That's okay, I'm, I'm gonna get you the mirror. All right, <laughs> roll up on though. <laughs> I don't know. Back in the day, the nickel. Do do. I don't know. You can see a guy in it. Uh, I think that kind of decreases the value. <laughs> How am I supposed to look at my own reflection when all I can see <laughs> is this guy? <laughs> I'm distracted by this. Old bearded guy. There's semen all over it. <laughs> Who can take a sunrise? Who can take a sunrise? Sprinkle it with you. Sprinkle it with you. Cover it with chocolate and a miracle or two. The candy man. The candy man. Ooh, the candy man can. The candy man can. So the long rumored candy man reboot has finally been made official. Uh, it's going to be coming to us from MGM, as well as Monkey Paw Productions, the company that is uh, owned and operated by Mr. Jordan Peele. You may have heard of him. Yeah, I know. I know that guy. Uh, he owes me so five it's, bucks. it's not a remake. It's being billed as a, quote, spiritual sequel. That's stupid. That returns to the neighborhood where the legend began, the now gentrified section of Chicago where the Cabrini Green housing projects once stood. What is spiritual sequel? What the fuck kind of nonsense terminology is that? I mean, is that like Halloween? Is Halloween considered a spiritual sequel? It is a sequel. Well, yeah, it's a sequel. Yeah. I don't understand what the spiritual part of it is. Just fucking. Unless it's like, is there a new Candyman? There better not be a new fucking Candyman. You can't just replace the Candyman. But I mean, like, like, like Tony Todd's Candyman still exists in the cinematic universe, but it's a different Candyman. That's what I'm saying. You can't have a new Candyman. Candyman's whole thing, like the bees and the hook, it's all revolving around bees. The way- bees. Um, it all revolves around the way that he died. It's not like a curse. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be directed by Nia LaCosta, who directed Little Woods. I don't know that bitch. I don't either. Uh, from a screenplay written by Jordan Peele and Wynn Rosenfield. Uh, you know, Get Out was good. I mean, anybody with a brain in their head knows it was good. I'm... I'm I need to see Jordan Peele prove himself again. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> on this train of Jordan Peele is here to save horror. Yeah. Like so many people were with like uh, Green and McBride with Halloween. And it's just like, you know, we saw Halloween and it was just like, it's okay. It felt like a Halloween movie for yeah. the most part. There were some huge glaring holes, but I mean, you can go listen to our review for all that info. Yeah. But so, I mean, it's like everyone's looking for like the next... Romero or the next Wes Craven mm-hmm. and it's like just let it happen right you know the, you're not going to find that necessarily um, 
just because these guys already made a name for themselves in some other medium. Just because a guy made his bones in comedy doesn't mean that he's going to be the next hero of horror. It does like people like Romero and Barker and um Carpenter Car- Craven. Cronenberg. They came out of nowhere. Yeah. They weren't like they comedy were indie guys. Like, they made tiny little movies yeah. that they could afford to make on, you know, a pittance before Indiegogo and Kickstarter was a thing. Mm-hmm. They make these movies for pennies and People see them back when people would actually, you know, when Hollywood types would watch independent movies and they'd be like, oh, these guys know what they're doing. They know how to make a film. Yeah. And then they would say, hey, make another film. Here's some money. Mm hmm. Yeah. It's like you think of somebody like James Gunn. Like James Gunn started out with trauma. Uh, he made uh, Terror Firmer, which people like like trauma fans. They love that movie. Um, I think it's kind of garbage, <laughs> but it set a tone for his kind of filmmaking as you know rough and amateurish as it was like it, it like i said it set a set a tone for his filmmaking but you know lloyd kaufman to his credit he kind of gives everyone a chance mm-hmm. had he not gotten that he never would have started his career building towards things like slither and you know then onwards to fucking marvel movies you know it's like these guys got to work their way up and you know obviously jumping from things like uh like horror movies to um action movies isn't necessarily a natural transition but um point is that he didn't um he wasn't like a no, I, I can't figure out how I want to explain this, but I mean, that's not to say that, you know, guys like Peel and uh, Green and McBride haven't paid their dues. They just paid their dues in a different medium or genre, I guess. Would yeah. Be the right word. Um, and that's fine. And I'm not like not saying that they can't be the next heroes of horror, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I'm and, just not ready to christen them yet. Exactly. Everybody's ready, so ready to jump to the conclusion that they are, they're they're the you know the new crew of horror. Yeah, like Peel's like you know he's remaking Twilight Zone. Everyone's like, oh yes, I'm all about it because it's Jordan Peel. And then like Green and McBride are talking about remaking Goonie or uh, Ghoulies and Critters, and people are like, oh yeah, fuck yeah. And I'm like, really? Yeah, Ghoulies. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I don't care who's doing it. That's a stupid idea. <laughs> well, we always re- we've always said that. Uh, <clears throat> Uh, you know, the movies that should be remade are the bad ones. No, I think what I've said is that it's the movies that have a good story but are poorly made. Ghoulies is neither. No, I guess that's true. Yeah, Ghoulies doesn't make any fucking sense. No. It maybe maybe it could make sense with a competent writer and filmmaker. Maybe. <laughs> um well Peel says the original was a landmark film for black representation in the horror genre. Uh, alongside Night of the Living Dead, Candyman was a major inspiration for me as a filmmaker, and to have a bold new talent like Nia at the helm of this project is truly exciting. We are honored to bring the next chapter in the Candyman canon to life, and eager to provide new audiences with his, with an with an entry point to Clive Barker's legend. This is going to be hitting theaters June twelfth, two thousand and twenty. So you got a minute? Yeah, I wonder how Barker feels about this. That's a good question. I mean, it's it's funny to me uh, that 
the story of Candyman, I mean, the original film, um, you know, a slave that was murdered in Chicago area, um, you know, comes back as kind of like a, a spirit of vengeance, sort of. Um, but th- that was all conceived by a guy from England. <laughs> right, yeah. And it was a, a book originally, right? I don't think so. I thought I read that it was. I mean, maybe it was, but it's not not that I'm aware of. Oh. I could be wrong. So could I. Um. Anyway. But yeah, I'd like to know what Barker feels about this, because I know he's been really uh, critical of people making sequels to his work like he's always well, hellraiser specifically mostly yeah um but anyway yeah i don't know i think i mean i do think peel is a good guy to try and tackle this the whole spiritual sequel thing i don't i still don't understand what the fuck that means is it a sequel or not yeah i don't that's i don't like this fucking uh hollywood sideways talk bullshit just like just fucking tell me what it is yeah is it a spiritual, or is it a sequel, or is it a remake? It can't be something in the middle. It's one no, or the other. It can't. Um, but you know, a lot of people are saying, "Oh, you got to bring back Tony Todd. You got to bring back Tony Todd." It's like, I mean, yeah, that would be cool, but Tony Todd is also, you know, almost twenty years older than he was the last time he made a Candyman movie, and he looks twenty years older. Which yeah, he's might supposed be to be a spirit. Yeah, <laughs> spirits don't exactly age. Exactly. So, um, but he's Tony fucking Todd. Yeah, I, I just don't really know. You can't how else to do it. There is no other Tony Todd. Yeah, I, I got it. <laughs> no one else is Tony Todd. Yeah, that's that's usually how it goes. Yeah. Um, I just don't know how you could replace him. You can't. There's there's nobody else that can play that character the same way and you know to not play it the same way would be bad because like i said before it's not going to be it can't be a different person it's going to be the same guy you're just playing it by a different character different actor so it's yeah anyway yeah i don't know wait Uh, and see hollywood Grab your tennis shoes and your canoe and your old flat top guitar, your fishing pole, your tent full of holes, and throw it in the back of the car. We're going camping. We're going motherfucking camping. I don't think I know what this movie is. I was hoping you did, because I don't either. <laughs> okay. Um, well... A movie from 1981 <laughs> called Madman. I'm a madman. Uh, Blood's going to be everywhere. An updated remake uh, is in the works. Uh, it's partially inspired by the success of Halloween. And producer Gary Sales is hoping to get a modern remake of 1981's Madman off the ground. Uh, the story is a psychotic slasher by the name of Madman Mars. Uh, went on a killing spree at a summer camp. Oh, that's a clever and original idea. <laughs> I've never heard this before. <laughs> um, Sales, who co-created Madman along with, alongside with the late Joe Giannone, uh, has written a script for the remake, and he told Bloody Disgusting... Exclusively. Right. 
which springs from the original Campfire Tale DNA of the 80s slasher. I mean, that's kind of cool, I guess, if they want to actually commit to that. Sure. Like making like a true like 80s style camp slasher. I mean, a lot of people have tried to do that, but it's just it's too polished. Either that or it's like they said it in the 80s and it's like, yeah, this is so obvious what you're doing. Right. Yeah. Just to make an 80s style slasher, it doesn't have to be set in the 80s. No. You could make a modern. I mean, there's there's got to be an example. I I just can't think of one right now. Um, I don't know. The Barn? Well, that was oh, in that, the 80s. I guess, yeah, I was just going to say, I guess I did take place in the 80s. I don't know. It, I, it's it's irrelevant. It can be done. You don't have to set a movie in the 80s to capture an 80s feel. Just film it as you would an 80s movie. Pool Party Massacre. Sure. There you go. That was kind of... Uh, Schlock. Well, yeah, but I think that was intended. I was going to say kind of meta, but I guess it's really not now I'm thinking about it. I don't think so. It's not very self-aware, I guess. No. Yeah. Anyway. Um, okay. Uh, it still opens with its iconic campfire, which I'm guessing is there. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's iconic. Everybody knows the, the Madman campfire, right? Yeah. You got to know that. Right. Um, lost my place. Uh, but there'll be a new Max telling the tale. Oh, Max, right. You know Max. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to be a more interactive tale, meaning some of the victims have a chance. There'll be something, f- there'll be something to root for. And lastly, without giving away too much, even before it's become so popular, I'd been rewriting Madman with a female lead. Who has her fight? Who has to find her courage in the midst of the murder and mayhem of that terrible night? Wait, even before it's become so popular, I've been writing the main character as a female. So, before it became so popular in the eighties, I think probably be- since the news of a remake became so popular. Oh, I thought he was talking about like female reboots, but then he just described a final girl, and I was like, "That's been going on forever. Yeah, that's, people, <laughs> that's not new. That's what people have been just doing that and, and doing it and doing it, just doing it all over, <laughs> doing it and doing it and doing it well. We all know the boys and the girls are doing it. <laughs> you went hip hop, I went hair band, whatever." Right. Um, Sales sees potential for Madman as an icon of fright. Let's not get crazy here. And in a horror brand that could last another 38 years. Why 38? Well, it's been 38. Oh, it's since. been 38. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, um, no. <laughs> I mean, probably not. Considering neither of us knows what this is. Yeah, we're not, we're not fucking new to this. We yeah. know, we know fucking horror. Neither of us have heard of Madman. <laughs> you know who I bet has heard of this? Who? My cousin. Probably. <laughs> you know, someone who I can, I can imagine of having heard of this already <clears throat> is uh, Alex. Yeah. He just seems like the kind of guy that knows about movies like this. This, this is the Madman. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean... I can believe that he's a madman, so I guess they sold it well. Um, yeah, I think he's saying that he sees potential for this to be an an icon of fright because uh, he's trying to sell it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> generally you don't want to say, "Hey, 
you know, we could probably get one good banger out of this. <laughs> uh, that doesn't tend to sell well. No, studios are usually like, eh, we're going to pass, <laughs> but good luck. I mean, especially nowadays, you know, I feel like people, I think, you know, I'm kind of spreading this out to the film industry as a whole, but I think the reason that we're so lacking in, in, in original content nowadays is because um, uh, production companies or studios are looking for franchises. They don't want just one film. Yeah. So if you come up with an idea that has a, a clear cut ending where there's no way to continue it, they're probably not interested. You got to leave it open ended for a possible sequel. Yep. And then a whole expanded cinematic universe. Right. Eventually we're going to get this the, we're going to get the tale of Max. Yeah. Everyone knows you got we we need more story on Max. Yeah. I mean, I've always wondered what happened to Max. Yeah. I was going to say you could call it Mad Max, but then I was like, "Oh wait, that's already a thing." <laughs> You'd call it Max Man. Max <laughs> Unless Max is a woman. I don't know. We can call it... I don't even know who Max is. Call it Mad Man 2 Return of the Max. Return of the Max <laughs> once again. Cool. So if you're a Mad Man fan like us... A Mad Fan, as we like to be called. <laughs> then uh, keep your... Jimmy Buffett's got the parrot heads. Mad Man's got the Mad Fans. Right. So uh, keep it tuned right here. Your Madman Headquarters, the Great Blob Podcast. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about a property that everyone does know. The novel, My Best Friend's Exorcist. Of course. Everyone is familiar with this. Uh, obviously written by Grady Hendrix. And you just hit it out of the park with these ones. <laughs> they can't all be winners. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes these make the best episodes, though. That's true. But My Best Friend's Exorcist is being adapted for a film adaptation good <laughs> uh, it's described as heathers meets beaches meets the exorcist it's got a lot going on <laughs> yeah really i mean heathers and beaches alone that'd be like a lot of stuff <laughs> i know and then you throw in the exorcist and it's like wait what <laughs> what, what? Um, <laughs> <laughs> the story is set in 1988 and follows the relationship of two best friends abby and gretchen as those beaches there's the beaches part right the beaches. After an evening of skinny dipping goes disastrously wrong, Gretchen begins to act more and more different as Abby slowly comes to believe her friend has been become demonically possessed. Both girls must soon face a tough question. Is their, friend, is their friendship strong enough to beat the devil? You can't beat us. We're the devil. We're the devils. Uh, I el diablo. <laughs> I mean, if you were possessed by the devil, I'd be like, I'm done with you. Yeah, I'd be like, I, I don't want you hanging out with him anymore. <laughs> I can't have this poison in my life. You, you're bad. You're bad for me right now. <laughs> uh, Endeavor Content, the entity behind Killing Eve and Colette, 
which course, uh, another, naturally. another property we're all familiar with, <laughs> has picked up the rights to My Best Friend's Exorcism. Jenna Lamia, who was a writer on Awkward and 90210, has been penned to write the script. So they're clearly going like teen comedy with this. I would hope so with that writer. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be produced by Christopher Landon, who is the writer and director on Happy Death Day. <laughs> but also on the upcoming Happy Death Day to you. <laughs> uh, man, I saw that trailer again last night. It was it just looks so fucking bad. I think uh I don't know what movie we were seeing, but uh I saw a movie with my wife and that trailer came on and I was just like, oh my God, this looks so fucking awful. And she just kind of shrugged it off. But then we were seeing a movie last night and it came on again and she's like, they make a sequel to that? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> she's like it looks like the exact same movie I'm like i know it looks like they really leaned into the comedy hard too yeah like that part where she sits up in bed and her hair's all frizzy yeah. Like, yeah come on groan uh but the good news is that landon may also direct oh that's that's the best news ever <laughs> yeah i'm so excited so uh yeah my best friend's ex just coming to a theater near you eventually and probably not going to see it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say can't wait. Can't hardly wait. Now that's a good movie. There's a kick-ass movie right there. With fucking Seth Green at his finest. Yeah. <laughs> and the kid from Hook. Right? Who's apparently like a law professor now. Is he really? <laughs> yeah. I think can't hardly wait was like his last role. And he just went off to college. And now he's a. Yeah, I think I think he's I think he's a lawyer. He might be a law professor. I don't know. But could you imagine you're going to school and you're like, dude, is the teacher the, the kid from Hook? <laughs> <laughs> or if you hired a lawyer and you're like, wait a minute, is that the kid with the fro from Friday the Thirteenth Three? <laughs> <laughs> Neat. Mm, sure. Read ahead in this story. <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> this is not going to go well. <laughs> okay, so the Resident Evil film franchise ended. Uh, was it like two years ago? Last, the final movie came out. So the final, final dance of Alice. The final chapter. That's what it was called, right? I think so. Yeah. I don't know if I saw it. No, I didn't. I definitely didn't. I think I just kind of gave up on those after the third movie. Yeah. <laughs> third movie was real bad. Um, but uh, good news, everyone. Terrible news, everyone. <laughs> uh, they are rebooting the franchise. I can tell you're excited. Didn't we know this by, already? By the look Didn't we already face. report on this? Did we? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I think we did. Maybe. Yeah. I gotta clear out space after we after we finish an episode, so I can you know make room for more. In your in your brain, in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Okay, so they're rebooting the Resident Evil movie franchise, which sounds bad. But then they're going to base it on Resident Evil 7, which, which is sounds good. good. Uh, according to the screenwriter of the upcoming Resident Evil movie reboot, Greg Russo, the film will take the inspiration from... Uh, hold on. I had to burp. <clears throat> The film will take inspiration from Capcom's most recent entry in the beloved survival horror series, Resident Evil 7, a.k.a. Biohazard. Biodome. With Polly Shore. <laughs> Polly Shore is the protagonist in that game. Um, obviously, I'm a huge fan of the franchise, so to work on that was a lot of fun, said Russo. And they've made six films before, so you know when you come... When you come back to that and reboot it, you want to do something different and not just rehash. Yeah, that's generally a good idea. Yeah. Not just, you know, do the same thing over. That's, I mean, with Resident Evil, it's not really the same. But for most things, if if you're doing a remake, there's a very fine line where you want to be true to the original, but not just do a shot-for-shot remake. Yeah, you don't want to be Gus Van Sant. No. <laughs> I don't know why. So, honestly, I'm not a big... Vince Vaughn fan, he kind of bugs me. But I didn't really have a problem with that movie. I know it was like almost identical to the original, but it's like, okay, yeah, it's it's like the original. Yeah, it was, was it pointless? Sure, but... <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's not a bad movie. Yeah. You know why it's not a bad movie? Because it's the same fucking yeah, movie. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay. Lost my place. For me, it was very clear... For me, it was very clear that I wanted to go back and make it scary again, like a horror film, in terms of the classic James Wan no, style. No, 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 no. Ooh, so close. <laughs> <laughs> I liked where you were going, then you took a hard left. Yeah. Um, so that was the pitch, going back and looking at what makes games scary in the first place. So yeah, Resident Evil, uh, recent, Resident Evil 7, Jesus Christ, was a bit of a touchstone for my draft. Mm. I don't. I don't. I don't know how you can make that game James Wan style because the game is good and James Wan sucks. <laughs> um, I'm seeing a disconnect there. Yeah. <laughs> um. He says at the end of the day, for me as a fan of the original game franchise, I always. Uh, considered the franchise to be horror at the forefront and action as a secondary feature. Yeah. I mean, he's just like blowing his boss though, right? When he says James Wan style. Is he James Wan's... Or is James Wan's producing this. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, I lost interest. Also, here's the IMDb page for it. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm looking at a picture of Chucky. <laughs> it says Untitled Resident Evil Reboot, and then it has a video clip of uh, Child's Play. <laughs> what was that? I played the video. Oh. Uh... Wait, now it's Candyman. What the fuck is going on? I thought I heard Candyman. Oh, this is it's like a news video. That's uh... why. Probably talking about all the reboots going on. <laughs> Um, I forgot Ted Raimi was in Candyman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ted Raimi's awesome. <laughs> I was watching Joe Bob 
and uh, what movie was it? No, 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 sorry. No, it was Joe Bob. Uh, what the fuck movie was it? Oh, Blood Rage. And uh, fucking Ted Raimi was in that. I think it was like his first role. <laughs> he was uh, selling condoms out of the bathroom at a drive-in. <laughs> fucking Ted Raimi. He's selling it. Like he opened his coat and he's just got different, like a variety of condoms. Like, like hanging, stolen like fake stolen Rolexes boxes. or something. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, why are you selling those in a bathroom? Or like, why would you buy condoms from a guy in the bathroom? You could just go to the store and buy condoms. Isn't there a machine in the bathroom usually? I, I I don't know. Maybe they're in the South and it's like a religious thing or something. <laughs> condoms are banned by the society. Anyway. Um, so James Wan puts a death curse on all horror movies, so... This is not going to be good. No, this is going to be like a. It's going to be real dark, which will be more like the original Resident Evil games. But then zombies will just jump out and go boogity boo. Yeah. Um, and they're not even zombies. And people go, ah! oh my god, that was so scary. Such a scary movie. <laughs> That's totally what happened. Because I got startled. <laughs> I. It startled me so many times. It's so scary. It's a very startling movie. You you might you might call it a startling movie. I am so startled. <laughs> oh god, this is gonna be garbage. I'm so sad about it. Uh, yep. <laughs> All right, so one of our Patreon reviews that we did uh, somewhat recently was an independent film called The Bond. The fucking Bond Kid. Uh, it turns out that the writer and director, Justin Seaman, <laughs> <laughs> is planning a sequel to The Fucking Bond. Hey! It's called The Fucking Bond Part 2 Zombie Railroad. Whoa. What? <laughs> Uh, it's going to bring the horrific creations of the Boogeyman, Hollow Jack, and the Candy Corn Scarecrow. Boogity boo! <laughs> That's what he says. Yep. That's his trademark line. His catchphrase. <laughs> where, his, where his name came from. Yep. <laughs> uh, it's going to bring the Boogeyman, Hollow Jack, and the Candy Corn Scarecrow forward into the 90s. Oh, man. Time jump. <laughs> uh, the surviving cast is returning, including Linnea Quigley and Ari Lehman. Who were both in it for a combined, I don't know, 10 minutes. Yeah, if that. Wasn't like Ari Lehman on TV? Yes. <laughs> like, he didn't even actually appear like, he didn't in even, person. He didn't actually meet the rest of the cast right. at any point. <laughs> <laughs> he was like some late night TV host, wasn't he? Or what, I thought he was like a shock jock on the radio. I thought he was just on a radio, not even on TV. Maybe. I don't know. I don't, it's been a while. Uh, it's going to be a continuation of the first film. Of course, it's going to be a Halloween film. And perhaps it contains zombies to some degree. One would think. Um, according to their Indiegogo page, there are many questions that went unanswered in part one. What happens to Sam and Josh and Michelle? Does Ms. Barnhart stay true to her word to ban Halloween in Helen's Valley? And what was up with the boogeyman's helmet having the name Daniels written on it, which is Sam's last name? 
Oh, I totally got that. <laughs> I was wondering the same thing. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> Why does it say that? It's so weird. Uh, well, to be honest, the original film was written to set up the story arc in the event of a sequel and keep an authentic flow. Uh, Seaman wants this next film to have the same fun, schlocky charm as the first, but be much darker, creepier, and gorier. More monsters, more kills, more Halloween. Uh, nice. It raised 106% of its goal on Indiegogo, being $42,000. So Very nice. You can make a, you made a decent movie from that. Sure. So all, uh, all systems go, as it were. It is. He apparently wrote this when he was 10 years old. He wrote the sequel when he was 10? Yeah, he wrote the first one when he was 8. I mean, good for him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and to like stick with that for however many years and like come back <laughs> to it and be like, yep. I mean. Finally going to make this. In that context, the, mounts, the, the monsters make a lot more sense. Yeah. <laughs> like a boogeyman and a candy, candy corn, corn scarecrow. scarecrow. <laughs> I'm really wondering what this zombie railroad is. I don't know. There's, well, they don't really talk about the plot, I guess, but not a lot. There's no mention of a zombie or a railroad or any combination of the two. No, it just says perhaps it contains zombies to some degree. <laughs> perhaps. Sweet, dude. Yeah. So keep an eye out for the fucking bond part two. Yeah. <laughs> all right that's it for horror business guys we made it through another one hey of them. congratulations you know a lot of things were against us the odds were not in our favor but damn it we pulled it out we we muscled through <laughs> all right so we're gonna go ahead and start with some film reviews from the hood All right, guys, so like we mentioned at the top of the episode, this is our salute to Tales from the Hood. Um, the Tales from the, Hood sequ- or Tales from the Hood sequel, Tales from the Hood 2, recently came out. Um, like we mentioned, we wanted to watch it for a while and just finally managed to get around to it. Was this originally scheduled for next year and we just managed... Or, or we, I feel like we just planned this episode not too long ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think just in the natural progression of things, we want to start with the first one. That makes sense to me. All right. Let's roll, bud. In this neighborhood is a house where souls never rest. You're invited to share their secrets. I've been waiting for you, boys. You're invited to share their tales. Unless, of course, you're scared. Tales of madness. Ah! <laughs> of revenge. The dolls don't want you there. They want reparation. <laughs> of horror. He thinks he needs to kill the monster. Now, your most terrifying nightmare and your most frightening reality are about to meet. On the streets. And this is a trip, homie. I don't need nothing from no house of dead folks, okay? Death 
It comes in many strange packages. The producer of Menace to Society and executive producer Spike Lee will take you to the outer limits of the inner city. Tales from the Hood. Chill. Or be chilled. Hey man, I don't need to be hearing this, man. Written and produced by Darren Scott. Written and directed by Rusty Kunda. Am I doing the first one? That's how you had it. <laughs> oh, was it? Okay. I didn't even know. Um, okay, so this takes place in South Central Los Angeles. Uh, this came out in 1995, so that kind of gives you an idea of the social and political layout of the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, George H.W. Bush's America, R.I.P. Yeah, that's right. He just died yesterday. Mm-hmm. So uh, that would make it Friday. Yeah. The 30th. Yep. So, I mean, kind of like his son. He didn't seem like he was a bad guy. Just a shitty president. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I didn't agree with his politics, but he was at least, like, he was a dude, you know? Like, he was, like, when Bill Clinton came in, he wrote him a nice letter and was like, hey, good luck. You know, Mm -hmm. and he wasn't like, I'm going to undo everything you did. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Clinton knocked him out of office. Bush Sr. only served one term, Mm -hmm. and he lost to Clinton in the re-election. But he was totally civil about it. Yeah. That's that's the sign of a... Oh, man, can you imagine the tantrum Trump's going to throw if he loses in 2020. If he makes it that long. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> uh, but these three drug dealers, uh, Stack, Ball, and Bulldog, <laughs> they arrive at the Sims funeral home. And they're like, yo, this this guy's got our money. Or some money. Or no, he's got the drugs. Sorry. Yeah. Um, I, he, he, didn't he say he found him in an alley or something? The shit. <laughs> <laughs> Um, God, I don't remember. Something like it. he, yeah, he found. He has like, he, he has came. all these drugs, even though he's just like this lowly mortuary. Yeah, just, he's a funeral home director. Director, thank you. Slash owner. It's called Sims Funeral Home. So yeah. But so they like you know they go in there all all hot ready to bust a cap. I mean, if need be, they don't want to, but they they want to get their shit. And they've they've got money, but they also have guns. Just and they like they immediately like pull them out and like are ready to go. Yeah. But they see Mr. Sims, they meet Mr. Sims, uh played by Clarence Williams the third. Yes, Cuban B. <laughs> God, he's so fucking good. I always want to see him with a fro, like he was in Mod Squad. Every time he says the word shit. I, I couldn't help but laugh <laughs> every fucking time because they're just like, hey, where's the shit? And he's like, the shit? Yes, the shit. I'll give you the shit. You're going to be knee deep in shit. Oh, he's just so, so much shit. He's so fucking crazy. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So he says he found the drugs in an alley and they're safely stored, but he's like leading them through these different rooms each one has a dead body in it mm-hmm. and he asked he because it's like a, it's it's like a funeral home right <laughs> so it's got like dead bodies dead bodies everywhere in coffins 
Yeah, yeah, they're not just like <laughs> sitting in chairs or anything. Like, just posed. <laughs> it's weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> they're all wearing sunglasses. Standing in the window. <laughs> they got like wires tied to their wrists so they can wave. <laughs> no, they're in coffins and he has to tell these boys a story with each one. As you do. Right. <laughs> before he has to tell them before he gives them the shit. Right. Uh, the first one is called Rogue Cop Revelation. By the way, this is an anthology if that hasn't been made clear yet. Yeah. All the titles, like the titles aren't made clear in the movie. Like they don't like. Yeah, they don't like flash on screen. on screen or anything. But all the titles of the different bits are very on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the first one's called Rogue Cop Revelation. It's about a young black police officer named Clarence. Not Clarence Williams III. No, not Cuban B. <laughs> no, not Cuban B. <laughs> um, but he, it's his first night on the job, right? Or is it? Is he just... He's a rookie. He's uh, Yeah, regardless, he's a rookie. And his partner takes him to this, you know, they're backing up this other two cops who pulled over this guy. Seemingly just because he's black. Right. And they're kind of roughing him up. You know, they're jabbing him in the ribs and not going full bore police brutality, but just crossing the line for sure. Yeah. Um, but so Clarence goes back and he's running the car's license plates and he realized that this guy is actually a city councilman and a black rights activist who was trying to clean up the streets and he's trying to get all these dirty cops who have been selling drugs to kids off the streets. And that's why these cops are going at him because they're the crooked cops. Right. He's kind of like uh, the idealistic version of like Jesse Jackson without the the self-importance. Yeah. Or like a less aggressive Louis Farrakhan. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Actually like uh, Farrakhan like mixed with a little bit of like Malcolm X. That's kind of, the vibe I got from this character. Sure. <clears throat> but so uh, this guy, he tells them, I'm not going to stop until I get scum like you off the streets. And so one of the cops slams his head through the car window. And so he, you know, starts fighting back. He starts fighting the cops. They take turns just beating the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. Finally, Clarence sees this and he's like, what the fuck are you guys doing? We need to get this guy to a hospital. So the first two cops are like, all right, we'll take him to a hospital. Don't worry about it. You go your separate ways. I'd <laughs> be like, what? No. No, no. I don't, I don't trust you guys at all. <laughs> I think I'm going to take him. I, it's like, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. I don't think you're going to take him to a hospital. <laughs> it's like, you know, when I went to go check his check his plates, he, uh, he wasn't all beat up. <laughs> so maybe uh, you three honkies go to drive your own car. <laughs> I'll take. You can't say honkies. I can say it. I'm white. <laughs> that's, that's my word. <laughs> Taking it back. <laughs> but so these other two cops, they take him down to the docks, shoot him full of heroin, <laughs> put more drugs in the trunk of his car. Yeah. And they actually, they reveal that it's like, yeah, we are putting drugs on the street and there isn't shit you can do about it. Yeah. I think, I think we all knew already, but well, yeah, they, they do have this revelation that we're supposed to go, Oh my God. <laughs> They're really dirty cops. <laughs> I thought they were just beating this man senseless because they were protecting the streets. 
because he falsely accused them. <laughs> yeah, then they dump his, his car and his body into the water, and he dies. Day, day, day. <laughs> These are people who died, died. Um, so Clarence, he, he, he's done with the force. He's, he can't do this anymore. Flash forward to a year later, he's just drunk. He's just drunk all the time, just drinking. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, party all the time, all the time. Party time USA. <laughs> he looks like he's having a good time. <laughs> no, he does not just at all. In his shitty little apartment. <laughs> yeah, he just lives in a hellhole, and he just drinks all the time. And But one night he's walking through the streets, and he sees this um mural of uh Morehouse. The, Morehouse was that his name? Yep. Who that was the the city councilman. Yeah, Martin Morehouse, yeah. And he starts hearing these voices being like bring them to me. So he's like, "Okay." <laughs> and so he goes and he gets the three crooked cops and he t- brings them back to Morehouse's grave. And he's like, "You need to apologize." And they're like, "No." <laughs> I'm going to pee on it instead. <laughs> and so one guy, he's like, I don't, I don't need to pee. And they're like, you better fucking pee. Like, all right, I'll pee right now. He's like, all right, I'll pee. And so he's like, whips his dick out. And all of a sudden this hand comes out of the ground, grabs his dick and yanks him to the ground by his dick. That has to be the worst thing in the world. Yep. Just getting whipped around by your crank. Just dick whipped. <laughs> Um, and yes, then Morehouse, his coffin spills out of the ground, but now the cop is in it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so now Morehouse is like a zombie or something. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's just, he's a, a ghoul. He's an undead character, but it's like, you don't really know if he's like, like physically there, if he's just like a a ghost or some kind of, uh. But he also has like powers. Yeah. I don't remember how he kills the second cop. Um it says he decapitates him. Decapitates him. I don't remember that. But then the third guy yeah, gets third guy gets crucified against the wall with heroin needles. Right. And then turns into a painting. He just like blends into the mural. Yeah, he melts. Like yeah. he just turns into a bunch of goo and then like sinks into the wall and yeah reappears as 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 if he had been painted into the mural yeah and so then clarence and morehouse clarence is like we did it buddy and uh morehouse is like no fuck you where were you while they were murdering me yeah and so he uh he what does he do something to smith or does he just he loses his mind. And yeah, he, and Clarence just he goes crazy and he gets locked up, and then uh, that's kind of the end of the story. Mm-hmm. You don't really it's not find out how he died at any point. No, like I don't. I don't think you can just die from being crazy. No, <laughs> I mean like unless there's some like underlying condition, right? That but, was kind of weird. Yeah, but generally crazy people they're healthy, more or less. Yeah, but so we go back to the the mortuary. And the guys are just like, oh, that was, a, that was a great fucking story, old man, but where's our shit? And he's like, oh, yes, the shit. <laughs> yes, I'll get you your shit, but come in here first. 
And they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's like they they keep getting like more and more agitated, uh, but like not so much where they're like threatening him. No, they just keep following along. It's like, all right, man, I don't go listen to your fucking stories. I'm not going to like it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just get this over with. <laughs> but so in the second room, they open up this coffin and they're like, what the fuck happened to this guy? But you don't actually see the guy in the coffin. And he's like, oh, well, here, let me tell you a story. And so. <laughs> Sit down, kids. <laughs> and so then they're like. Doodly doo, doodly doo, doodly doo. <laughs> and we meet Walter Johnson, who is a, a young a young boy. <laughs> who just moved to a new school. He's very kind of quiet, very reserved. But day one, he gets fucking punked by the bully in the school. Yeah, the bully just just beats his ass for no reason. Just like we don't like new kids, and just like punches his head. Yeah, it's like you know when I first moved here, I went to the I, I obviously went to a new school, and I got picked on by the bully in class. But that took like a like a couple weeks for that to start <laughs> to just start on my first day. Yeah, I mean, like, usually they'll, like, pick on you, like, call you names or something, mm-hmm. but not just, like, start punching you in the side of the head. He doesn't punch him in the face. He punches him in the head. <laughs> it's like, what up, bitch? <laughs> bah, bah, bah. But so he goes to the nurse, and the nurse is like, well, you know, his head's going to be fine because he was punched by a small child, but I'm a little worried about his eye. He's got this black eye that he's apparently been there for a while. Mm-hmm. And so his teacher is like, who did this to you? You know, don't don't feel scared or ashamed like whatever happened this will be our little secret the teacher is actually played by rusty cundy who, who directed this oh that's him yeah did not know that um well now you know dun, 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 dun. more you know there you go because knowledge is power <laughs> but the kid's like it was the monster and uh the teacher's like are you stupid <laughs> so this thing is monsters <laughs> idiot <laughs> He's like, you know, he says, oh, he showed up as soon as my dad died. And I was like, well, I know where this is going. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, like, you know, once you've seen it so many times, you just, you, you know, these stories, like I consider not watching this cause I've seen it so many times. Yeah. But yeah, I guess at this point it's hard to tell. It's like, is that really obvious where it's going? Or is it just or your memory? Just because I remember it so well. Yeah. But. Anyway, I don't know. I felt like it was obvious. Um, but in case you haven't figured it out, the monster is his mom's new boyfriend or stepdad or whatever he is. They don't actually fully explain what the relationship is there. Yeah. But so he he starts drawing pictures of this monster and it's, you know, this big green monster with like a vagina mouth and like <laughs> veins. And boots. And boots. He's wearing boots for the reason. He's wearing these like Doc Martin combat boots or something. <laughs> like he's a fucking punk rocker. <laughs> but he tells the teacher that uh, so-and-so, Sharon, let's say, he was like, she told me that I need to draw a picture of what I'm afraid of and then destroy the picture and it'll help me overcome these fears. And your teacher's like, Sharon's a bitch. <laughs> he's like, Sharon, the girl that sits behind you, she's a fucking idiot. Don't listen to her. <laughs> She's a child. What does she know? <laughs> and so the teacher goes to the house and the mom is like all over him. She's like, she's she wants it. Yeah. She's like, oh, that bird shit on you. That's hot. 
What was the point of the bird shitting on him? I don't Just know. Just so she could get close to him to wipe the poop off? I guess. She's like, ooh, I like your Malcolm Jabal Warner look. <laughs> your your Malcolm Jamal Warner post Cosby show look. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he had that look. But then uh as he's leaving, the monster, David Allen Greer, shows up. <laughs> the second person from In Living Color in this bit. Who was the first? The nurse. Who was the nurse? Uh, I can't remember her name, but she was from she's in, in Living Color too. Huh. Didn't recognize her. Well, now you know. Just learning things every day. But yeah, David Allen Greer is basically just like, you know, don't worry, I'll talk to the kid. I'll, I'll make sure everything's okay. And the teacher's like, that's not good enough. Yeah. I don't know what he wants him to do, but he's like, no, you need to do something better. And so so David Allen Greer's like, get the fuck out of my house. And so as soon as he leaves, he starts beating the kid and the mom, whips off his belt and is just like, I'm going to teach you some respect. <laughs> he fucking like, like hits the mom in the nose with the palm of his hand. He does it to both of them. The, with the butt of his palm. He does it to both of them. These, these palm strikes. He's just like, <laughs> pow. He's like, nose break, nose break. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that too. I was like, what? Who does that? Apparently, David Allen Greer was part of the special forces or something. <laughs> but so the teacher comes back in. He is the worst fighter I've ever seen. Oh, he's so bad. He just throws this punch that's about like three feet short. Just whiffs it like, just whiffs right over his head. And so David Allen Greer just like starts kicking him with his combat boots. <laughs> I wish he had been wearing combat boots. It's so good with like shorts for some reason. <laughs> and that's when he makes the revelation that he's the monster because he's wearing boots. <laughs> like a ripped up Dickies t-shirt or something. <laughs> like dead Kennedys. <laughs> he's just kicking them going, oi, oi. <laughs> Fucking wake up. <laughs> He's not even British. <laughs> uh, David Algier? No, no, he's not British. He also has a tattoo that says monster. Right. And he's so offended that somebody would dare call him a monster. <laughs> it's like, dude, you knew what you were doing when you got that tattoo. Yeah. But so Walter takes the picture and he like folds one of the arms, and all of a sudden David Allen Greer's arm just breaks backwards yeah and so then he just crumples it up and <laughs> david Allen Greer turns into this blob of person still holding this fucking frag pan <laughs> and they're like so what do we do with him now <laughs> meanwhile like they're trying to figure out what to do with him and he's still on the ground in this pile of mess just talking shit <laughs> it's like this ain't over bitch <laughs> but so Walter burns the paper and just burns the whole house down. Presumably. Yeah. Because fuck that house. Yeah. It's actually a pretty nice house. It doesn't look like it's actually in the hood. No. <laughs> Looks like it's in the suburbs. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Tales from the suburbs. Doesn't have a good, has good of a <laughs> ring. <laughs> but so we go back to the mortuary and we finally see the body and it's just like crispy. 
Yeah. Um. Oh, so at this point we the we go back to the mortuary and the, the three guys they're like, "All right, that's that's enough. This let's let's get on with our business transaction." And they see this doll. It's this weird, creepy little doll. It's like a marionette or something, but without strings. Yeah. I mean, if you've ever there seen... There ain't no strings on me. Uh, if you've seen like a Civil War era like slave doll, you, you have an idea what this looks like. Sure. I don't so know. There you go. I don't know what that looks like, but... Yep. Yeah. And he just tries to explain to him that like this is no ordinary doll. It's filled with all of those sins and all doll kinds powers. of spooky shit. And they're like, oh, okay, tell us more, sir. <laughs> really? And so he's like, all right, let me tell you the story of Roger Dorn. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't get that reference, Roger Dorn was a character in Major League, played by Corbin Burnson, who in this plays Duke Metger, a former Ku Klux Klan. Was he a member or just like, I mean, was he just a member or was he like a Grand Dragon or something? Uh, it doesn't really say what position he held all right well now he's a senator and he has taken up residence in this old plantation house which does not go over well with the the townspeople Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a modern day uh what's his name um uh uh, fuck there's a guy in like mississippi in like the 50s who's trying to run for president i can't remember his fucking name anyway i don't know Oh, by the way, this story is called KKK Comeuppance. Mm-hmm. So you can see where this is going. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and by the way, Corbin Burnson must have already like started to go bald because he's wearing the oh, shittiest fucking bad piece ever. Yeah. Um, but so both Jewish and African-American groups have joined together to try and force Metger out. I feel like the fact that his name is Duke is not a coincidence. David Duke. Right, yeah. Yeah, that's... George Wallace, that was his name. Ah. Yep. Light turned <laughs> on. <clears throat> but he's just like, you know, I'm I'm not going to move. This is my home. Uh, you know, and he's, he puts up this facade of all these things are behind me. I'm, I'm moving on in my life. I don't want to be known for being a KKK member. But behind closed doors, he's still just as racist as ever. Mm-hmm. He's dropping hard R's left and right. <laughs> so many. Like, like uncomfortable amounts. Yeah. Like, you know, you, you kind of let those things slide a little bit in movies because, you know, it's like, it's for the art, I guess. <laughs> but especially when it's a white guy that keeps saying it over and over. She's like, mm-hmm. ugh. <laughs> <laughs> And his associate, too, kept dropping all kinds of racist stuff. But he was at least half black. He sure looked like it, yeah. But then he, uh, like, while they're they're filming these promos, and his associate falls down the stairs and dies. Dies, dies, dies. (laughs) Uh, Come to find out that this puppet, or this doll, actually, like, tripped him. He was at the top of the stairs. <laughs> Sticks his leg out. Sucker. I always forget that those things don't translate to audio. Right. <laughs> um, 
also at this point we see this big mural that's in his house of this uh old black woman and all these dolls she's just she's holding the the one from the mortuary and then there's i don't know 30 more surrounding her uh approximately hella dolls <laughs> exactly <laughs> one hella <laughs> but so when uh metger goes back to look at the mural after his associate falls he realizes that the doll that was in her lap is now missing right it's just a white silhouette uh, so he goes to the funeral. <clears throat> Wait, his name was Rody. His uh, campaign manager. Yeah, yeah. Oh, his image maker. It calls him whatever. Um, like from Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, so they go to his funeral, and when he comes back, the the doll is in the car, and he's like, "Who did you let in this car?" And the guy's like, "I didn't let anybody in the car. I swear to God." And so he just takes the doll and throws it out the window. <laughs> Limo driver is a black guy who just did not want to be there. No. <laughs> just like, fuck this guy. But I need a paycheck. So he goes home and there's a knock at the door. He opens the door and you just hear this little. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was so stupid. It was so cartoonish. It really was. A lot of, a lot of <clears throat> elements about this movie are super cheesy. And I don't know if that was necessarily intentional. Or just, you know, like directorial or creative choices. Or Or just financial. (laughs) Maybe, yeah. But so he turns around and he sees this doll and he throws a vase at it. And the doll just disappears. And then it comes swinging on the chandelier at him. It's just like, ah! I'm a party animal. (laughs) We're never going to (laughs) die. And then he bites him. The doll bites Metker. And so Medgar pins him up on a dartboard and shoots him with a shotgun <laughs> and just blows half his face off. Uh, so then he goes back to the painting and all of a sudden there's, I think, four more are missing. And he's just like, oh, I'm not scared of you. <laughs> he just starts going full Corbin Bernson. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know. But this is when he starts getting creative with the, with the N-word. He drops like three or four different versions of the word. Yeah. It's like, I mean, not necessarily ones that I haven't heard before, but not ones you hear regularly. He said one that's in a Donald Glover bit. Okay. <laughs> I'm just like, wait, what? <laughs> um, But, I mean, basically to get to the point, all the dolls come to life and just eat him. Yep. And then... Just feast upon his flesh. Yeah. And then the, the old lady appears... And it just, it just like looks on approvingly. <laughs> She's just sitting there rocking in a rocking chair that has also appeared. She's just standing up, looking on like, oh, those are good kids. <laughs> well done, boys. Well done. <laughs> so we go back to the mortuary. Now our, our gang members are, they're pissed. They're like, we're tired of this shit. We don't care about dolls. Give us our shit. Clarence Williams is like, yes, the shit. <laughs> he says shit so many times that it made me laugh every time. Like I th- he keeps opening the coffins and like I think they're thinking that he's going to be opening the like the next coffin he's opening has like the shit. He's gonna have it. the drugs, yeah. So he opens another one and it's not drugs. But it's this guy that they know. His name is Crazy K. Yeah, one guy, or like the 
two of them are just like, oh, shit, yeah, we know that guy. And the third one's just like, nah, man, he's just a guy we know from the hood. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> like, dude, we know. We already know you know him. Just, just drop the act. <laughs> <laughs> but so then, you know, uh, Sims is like, well, do you want to know what happened to him? And they're like, yes. <laughs> yes, Mr. Sims. Like, I mean... Yeah. So this story is called Hardcore Convert. Uh, not spelled with K's. Guy's name is Crazy K. Like, put a spell with K's. Be, be more clever. Just all the K's. Yeah. But so Crazy K, he's a gang member who he just like guns people down. That's what he does. He's driving along. He's driving along. He's driving along. And he sees this guy go the other way. And he's like, oh, there goes that guy that I've been looking for. Pulls a Yui. Just like. Well, not broad daylight. It's the middle of the night. But he gets out of his car and just right in the middle of this neighborhood is just like, blap, blap, blap. Shoots this guy. People come running out of the house. and They're like, what the fuck is going on? They shoot Crazy K. Uh, Crazy K wakes up and he's in this weird ass lab wearing nothing but a man thong. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's like, it's hard not to look. It's just like... <laughs> Christ. There's there's a few times where the camera is like right up in there. Yeah. It's just like, what the fuck is that guy hiding in there? <laughs> That's all K. <okay. laughs> and it's all crazy. <laughs> but so they put him in a cell next to this Nazi who's just, he starts dropping hard R's all over the place. Yeah, I totally thought that was Brian Cox at first. <laughs> I think he just had like, I think something about the way like he, like his facial expressions. I just thought it was Brian Cox. And he's just like, I hate N words and I want to kill all the N words. And, <laughs> but I like you N word. But then he's like, unless they think like me, like, you know, the select few will be saved when my people purge the earth and they'll, they'll be kept as slaves, which, you know, didn't work well the first time. Right. But, you know, he basically asks crazy K he's like, what are you in for? And he says murder. And he's like, well, the pe- all the people that you murdered, what color were they? And this is kind of like a revelation to Crazy K. He's like, oh, I guess they were all black. Mm-hmm. And so this guy's like, ah, I like you. <laughs> Me and you were going to be friends. <laughs> K's like, nah. <laughs> like, I don't think so. But so then the doctor takes him away and says, you know, I wanted you to meet that guy because I felt like meeting him would be some kind of revelation for you. But now we're going to stick things in your mouth put you on a table stick things in your mouth show you lots of very disturbing images most of which i think were real so there seemed to be like some legit photographs of like lynched and hung and that was uh just a lot of black on black violence like gang violence and shit like that yeah but not just gang violence but also like you know kkk related stuff right and yeah like i said a lot i think a lot of it was like ripped from the headlines like there was newspaper articles and I mean, a lot of those, especially the ones of uh, the hangings, look pretty convincing. Yeah. (laughs) Whereas a lot of other stuff in this movie didn't. Right. (laughs) And then, you know, there's like interspliced of him gunning people down. And that stuff was obviously filmed for the movie. But yeah, the the stuff that seemed like it was legit photographs was troubling. Mm Mm-hmm. But so they show him that and they put him in this sensory deprivation chamber where they say, you're not going to be able to see anything or hear anything. But there's lights flashing. Yeah. I don't know. I, I guess we're just 
meant to assume that like the lights were a figment of his imagination. Part of his delusion. Because yeah. he starts hallucinating all the people that he's killed. There's, you know, like ex-gang members and then just like there's a little girl that was just caught in a crossfire. And he shows no remorse. Mm-hmm. He's like, I did what I had to do to take care of me. Yeah. And that's all that matters in this life. All I got is me. So that's, I'm going to look out for number one. Yeah. I mean, it starts out with this guy, like his, his first, uh, the first image he sees is this guy he shot. He says, you know, what's up, Crazy K? Why'd you have to kill me? And he's like, you you were uh, fucking around with my business. And, uh, you know, you you had to be stopped. And it's like, you you know, you, you had it coming. And then, yeah, that's when the little girl shows up and she says, you know, did I have it coming? And he basically rationalizes. He says, a bullet doesn't have a name on it. Yep. You're just in the way. Wrong place, wrong, wrong place, time. Wrong place, wrong time, yeah. So, yeah, he, like like I said, feels no remorse. And it's just, the whole time is just, like, I did what I had to do to take care of myself because I'm, I'm the only one that I have in this life, so I'm the only one that matters. And he busts out and he grabs this nurse, puts her in, like, a sleeper hold. He's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill this bitch. I don't care. Let me out of here. And then all of a sudden, everything disappears. And he wakes up and he's still laying in the in the street, bleeding. Mm-hmm. So go back to the mortuary. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, the basically the the realization was this was like his opportunity to redeem himself, get a second chance. Yeah, it was almost like he was in purgatory. Yeah, but he just. Said it didn't fucking matter, so yep. Put him back right where he left off. Yep. And yeah, he like he's like sitting there and he's just like spewing blood and he's you know gasping for breath. And the the guys from the house they're just like, nope. Fill him full of holes and just end it right there. Yep. So then we go back to the mortuary, where it's revealed that the three guys that shot him are actually Stack Ball and Bulldog. And so Sims says, you know, all right, I got your shit. Your shit, shit. <laughs> Come with me. They're down here, and he takes him into this basement. He starts turning on lights just by pointing at him, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And he takes him in this back room, and he's like, "There, all your shit is in these three coffins. Help yourself." And each one opens up a coffin, and it's them in the coffin. And he, uh, Sims, is just like, "Welcome to hell, bitch!" Yeah. Turns into this giant demon. Incredible effects right here. <laughs> That was sarcasm. I mean, the the makeup was pretty sweet. It was. Just the transitional. Yeah, like all the walls collapse and there's just fire everywhere and it's not very convincing at no, all. It's really bad. And there's like this part where he, like, he, you know, Clarence Williams, he has this giant gap in his front teeth. Mm-hmm. And at one point, like, when, you, when, you, when <laughs> you're like, yeah, he's like his red, his eyes turn red. And so you're like, oh, shit, he's like a demon or something. And yeah, this little forked tongue sp- Spits out from between the gap in his teeth, and it looks awful. It does look awful, but it was funny. (laughs) And yeah, so then he just like, you know, they get devoured into hell and get eaten up by this inferno. Just burn in internal damnation. Yep. And that's it. That is it. So, um, yeah, like you said, when you started this, you know, being from 95 or, you know, being a film from 1995, uh, you know, the hot button issue was um, the you know, basically um, blacks against the police. Yeah, I mean Rodney King had just happened. 
not just happened, but that was still a. It was like early '90s, right? Huh? Early '90s? That was like late '80s, I think. Was it? I could be wrong. Regardless, um, that was still a very, um, very hot social topic. Sure. Um, and you know, coming coming off of the Reagan era and the Bush era, which were basically the same, um, you know, the you know the black community, especially in like South Central, were feeling very um, uh, ignored and under underappreciated and that led to a lot of you know the uprising of the uh, street gangs um and uh just in a lot of black on black violence which i felt like a lot of this movie focused on mm-hmm. especially the the crazy k uh story yeah for sure um but i felt like you know especially cuz i had like when this movie came out i had just moved here from la so like all this stuff was, I mean, I didn't live like in the shit. I didn't live in the hood. The shit. <laughs> um, but you know, this was, this was going on, ten miles away from me. You know. Yeah. Nineteen ninety one. Um, by the way, it was Rodney King. Ninety one. Okay. Um. So yeah, when when this came out, and I don't I don't think I saw it right away. I think it was probably probably a year or two after it came out before I finally saw it. Um, but it was all very familiar, um, and I felt like it captured it pretty well. Just you know, like uh, the 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 rookie cop story with Clarence. You know, there are obviously a lot of black officers on the in the LAPD. They were feeling very conflicted about their duties to their black community and their duties to the police force, which were very in conflict. I mean, you know, you had the these these cops who. You know, sure. So regularly, black men and or just black people in general were being beaten mercilessly by members of the police force. Um, and you had the rest of the police force standing behind this blue line in solidarity with them. Um, and along with them were these very conflicted black officers. Well, yeah, I mean, there's even a, there's a scene in it where he says, we have to do something. We have to tell somebody. And his partner says, you know, there, there's a code mm-hmm. and, you know, officers don't tell on other officers and that's yeah. just part of the code. Yeah. I mean, this is not ever, they're not ever actually referred to as LAPD. They're not wearing LAPD uniforms or badges or, or anything like that. Um, I think it's supposed to just be kind of any town USA though. Yeah. I mean, it's very clearly <clears throat> LA. Right? Yeah. And like, <laughs> and like, you know, South Central in that area. Um, and, uh. Yeah, so I mean that was a very, very uh, timely and apt topic, and just I think this entire movie, it it, it was it was geared towards black people. I mean it it could be watched by you know us you know white people or anyone and enjoy it, but I think it was really designed to speak to black people. It's just like we need to build ourselves strong as a people. So we can earn some respect in this world. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I was too young to really s- analyze the social impact it had. Um, but I feel like it could still have that that bearing nowadays. And, you know, I'm speaking from my 
for my white privilege. So I can only just, you know, uh, extrapolate so much and, you know, and guess, but yeah, I mean, a lot, pretty much all of these were very relevant to things that were going on in that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, uh, the, the, uh, the boy getting beaten, you know, a lot of abusive, uh, I mean, they're abusive fathers and everywhere, but in the black community, abusive fathers, abusive boyfriends, abusive stepfathers, stepfathers, um, and, you know, stepping out as a community, you know, a concerned teacher, you know, reaching out when he sees that kind of thing and, and you know, making a difference in a, in a student's life. <clears throat> and, you know, you for the, the one with Corbin Brinson, the KKK, that's obviously that steps out of like the South Central Hood environment and goes right. into the South. Uh, but still very, very apt for the South. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you talk about, like, like David Duke and George Wallace, like these are guys that actually try to run for political offices with ties to racist organizations and the KKK specifically. It's like this is shit that's actually happened in the world. Yeah, and you know, like uh, um, Duke, I, I forget what office it was he was running for, governor maybe, but he like almost won. <laughs> I mean, you know, he endorsed somebody for president that won. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that'll probably come up a little more in the next review. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, it's, I mean, it's, you know, it's very social and it's very political and it's, you know, it's heavy. It's a heavy movie for sure. It is, but I feel like it doesn't like beat you over the head with the message. Mm -mm. Like the message is clear for sure in every single one, but it's also, uh, it doesn't like scold you with it. I feel. Yeah, it's just, it's more just um, like be aware of this shit because it's happening. Yeah, it's like turning a mirror on society. Yeah, and not like pointing fingers and telling you what to fucking do. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, I mean, like I can't speak obviously from the position of a black person, or even necessarily somebody who was of uh, a ra- or not, not rational but like analytical mind because I was like fucking ten years old when this came out. Yeah. Um. I, I can't speak of the social impact when it first came out, but it being, especially in like the LA area, like I had to imagine anybody that saw this was like touched by it in one way or another. Yeah. So, I mean, it, in aside from just the social and political commentary in it, it's a, it's a pretty good movie. Yeah. Uh, I mean, all the stories are, Fairly are are good. The stories are good. The acting is kind of like a little, a little spotty. Yeah, it's uh, a little uneven. Yeah, because I mean, you've got people who are good, strong actors, um, like uh, God, what was his guy's name? Um, Corbin Burnson. <laughs> no, <not> Corbin. <laughs> I mean, Corbin Burnson's a, a good actor, but um, Tom Wright, the guy who played Morehouse, he's mm. a, he's a solid actor. Um, Corbin Burnson always plays such a shit though. He does, except in Psych. I mean, he's kind of an asshole. Oh, that, that's but. right. I completely forgot he was in Psych because I'm just so used to him being a shit. I, when he's a good guy, he just blends in with the background. <laughs> um, yeah, Tom Wright and um, uh, David Allen Greer and you know Clarence Williams, all great actors. They all delivered really strongly in in their respective bits. Um, you know, the, 
I know I know that doctor from the Crazy Case story. Rosalind Cash. Best known for playing Lisa in the Omega Man. Sure. She just she looked really familiar, but I couldn't I couldn't pinpoint her. Um but she was very uh solid. Mm-hmm. Probably I think probably the most representative presence in that bit. Um Anyway, so yeah, it's 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 not a perfect movie. Like like some of the acting is not good. Um, the effects, aside from the practical effects, which are actually pretty good, the computer effects are awful. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, but I mean, aside from that, I don't really have any complaints. It's 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 a solid movie. I enjoy it every time I watch it. Yeah, I mean, like out of the four stories, I think the puppet one is probably the weakest. Yeah. I think it mainly because it didn't really fit with the theme. Yeah, it was the it was the most supernatural one. Yeah. Whereas the others were, you know, very kind of focused on real actual violence. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, it's it's well put together. All the the stories, they don't really, you know, it's a little disjointed in the stories. In that, you know, I tend to prefer anthologies that kind of flow together, like Trick or Treat. Whereas this one is, you know. Story A, story B, story C. Right. But all the stories are good. Like I said, I think the puppet one is the weakest, but it's it's still solid. Mm-hmm. And it still, you know, sends a strong message. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's 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 a it's a different brand of the same issues. Yeah. You know, it's the rest of the stories, they are racial issues that focused on a very uh specific area. Well, I mean I think any, any any place in the 90s that had like a major metropolitan area, L.A., Detroit, um, Chicago, New York, all these places were, you know, major cities that have racial issues in, you know, the basically up from the 40s or 30s, 40s up until the 90s where race was a really fucking hot issue in, in all of these places. But especially the South Central L.A., right after Rodney King beating, um, and you know, right after like people like Jesse Jackson and um, and uh, uh, fucking uh, oh my god, I can't remember his name. Guy with big hair. Um, the boxing promoter guy? No, <laughs> I was like Don King. He's another reverend. Um. Holy Al Sharpton. Shit. Thank you. You know, you had you had uh, you know black leaders like that coming or like rising up and like you, they had the kind of a presence that you hadn't really seen since like the fifties and sixties with people like Farrakhan and Malcolm X and mm-hmm. and um, I don't think they were as virtuous as uh, Martin Luther King, but um, same general ideals, I guess. Anyway, um, I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> I kind of went off on a tangent and forgot where, where I came from. Anyway, good stuff. And like the mortuary scenes, the, the stories themselves aren't particularly like fun because they're all very you know heavy subject matter. But I feel like the mortuary scenes in between kind of add a little brevity. Yeah. Um, like brevity? Levity, you mean? Yeah, levity. Sorry. <laughs> Say brevity, I don't know. I don't know what you mean by that. 
Yes, levity. Yeah, they they definitely do it kind of because they're, you know they're all they're all trying to be these badass gangsters, but they're all kind of goofballs, right? And then Clarence Williams is just crazy. Yeah, I don't know that you're necessarily supposed to find him funny, but he he just kind of is. Yeah, <laughs> he's just so over the top. Anyway, um, this review is kind of running long, so yeah, I feel like anthology reviews always kind of go long. Yeah, so since we got another anthology going, maybe we should move things along. Here. <laughs> Um. Yeah, like I said, I, I, you know, I've seen this more times than I can count in my lifetime, and uh, I, I enjoy it every time I watch it. So, um, no major complaints from it. I think I give it an eight. Yeah, in my head, I was bouncing between an eight, a seven and an eight. Um. Yeah, I'll go eight. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's hard to speak on this because of, you know, we can only speak of what kind of effect it had on us as as white guys. Right. You know, of, of a certain, you know, middle class upbringing, not really knowing, <laughs> knowing the street, I guess, you know. Knowing the hood. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I, I can't even imagine what kind of impact it might have on somebody who actually lived that life. You right. Know? But either way, good movie. Yeah. So, moving on, we'll lead you into the much, much later sequel yeah. that just came out this year, Tales from the Hood 2. No one tells stories as well as I. All right, so Tales from the Hood 2 is a brand new movie. It just came out in October. Directed by, directed and written by Rusty Cundiff and um, Darren Scott. Same guys that did the original. Yeah, Darren Scott, he didn't direct any in the original, but he does direct two in this. Yes. Um, yeah, they co-wrote the entire first movie, but Rusty Cundiff directed all of them, as far as I know. <clears throat> um, but it's interesting to me that they, the same guys wrote and directed it and yet it felt so different than the original to me. I mean, I don't know. It feels... It. I mean, it definitely feels much more contemporary, for sure. I don't know how, how different it feels, really. I mean, it, as opposed to the first one, where it focused so much on um, on racial tensions, you know, surrounding the, uh, you know, the LAPD beatings. This one focused more on modern-day issues... You know, mostly focused around uh, the MAGA crew. Yeah. <laughs> like, the first one has a much more, like, it's a lot more about black, black on black violence. This one is much more, like, standing up to the politics. Yeah. But it's it's not all racial. Some of it is just social. That's true. Um. Okay, so, yeah, let's... Try to keep this as brief as possible. Um, so we open up with the wraparound story, as you do in an anthology story, uh, anthology movie. Um, before we jump into things, I think since it's an anthology, it's really hard to not spoil it. 
Yeah. Because there's like four different short stories and it's like, okay, here's half of this story moving on. Mm -hmm. So I think we should just like tag this spoiler alert, especially since it's on Netflix. Yeah. That seems fair. So go watch it on Netflix and then come back and listen. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we open up with the wraparound story, um, which is called robo hell. (laughs) So dumb. Uh, Wikipedia says this takes place sometime in the future, which I didn't really get. I mean, aside it's never specified. Aside from like the existence of fucking robots, um, robots, robots. Uh, Dumas Beach uh, is a private prison contractor slash weapons dealer. I don't, I don't know, but either way, he's building a uh, artificial intelligence robot or robots, I guess. Um, to be kind of like a police force. It reminded me very much of the Ed 209, <laughs> like in concept. Sure. I mean, like Ed 209 was supposed to be like a, basically the early version of a RoboCop. It was supposed to patrol the streets. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, anyway, but he's developing the Robo Patriot. <laughs> So, you know, every time you hear somebody say Patriot nowadays, you can kind of guess what kind of person they are. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you Rock flag and eagle. Yeah. Um, I feel like like there was no second draft of that. Like, let's call it the Robo Patriot. Uh, let's come back to that. We'll think of something better. <laughs> oh, shit. I never thought about something better. Whatever. We'll just use that. <laughs> Fuck it. Uh, so these... These machines can learn from firsthand and secondhand experiences. So basically, you know, they they have an entire database of, you know, of different organizations around the world, um, you know, of uh, criminal histories, mugshots, fingerprints, um, you know, procedurals or, or procedures and, and, and regulations and laws and all that uploaded into its uh, refugee status and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, um, you know, it can identify by facial recognition whether or not somebody's in this country illegally. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it, it has all that information, and it can learn to adapt its decision making based on its own experiences. But it can also upload the experiences of other people. Q, Mister Sims. The character from the first movie, now played by Keith David. How'd you get the beans above the Frank? I love Keith David so much. <laughs> Most of you probably know him best as the guy in the really long fight scene with Roddy Piper from They Live. <laughs> the best fight scene ever. <laughs> um, and uh, Okay, so he, he comes in and... There's no mention of him being like a funeral homeowner or being the devil. He's just a guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's, he's a storyteller. Yeah. We're supposed to forget that he's Satan, I guess. And yeah, he's just a, he's this world renowned storyteller or something. So they bring him in to tell stories to their robots so they can learn things. <laughs> that sounds ridiculous. And I'm going to let you in on a little secret. It is. <laughs> But uh, Mr. Beach uh, tells him that he wants wants him to tell the robots stories um, to help them identify 
criminals or, you know, people who are criminals or have criminal intents, um, and, uh, suggest that he uses a uh, black lives matter as the, as a theme of these stories. Um, this is after beach is like made it very clear that he's a racist and a sexist, and a xenophobe and, yeah, like he tells Sims to his face. He's like, my prison is full of your people. <laughs> yeah, he, he uses the, the you people thing yeah. more than once. Yep. Um, anyway, so that's when uh, Sims launches into this first story, which he dubs Good Golly, after looking directly into the camera. <laughs> I don't know why, but that didn't strike me as weird at the time. <laughs> And now I'm like, why didn't that strike me as weird? He totally broke the fourth wall. <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe it was just turning into an episode of Tales from the Crypt. Uh, okay, so good golly opens up. Um, we got three people out on vacation. Don't know exactly where. Probably somewhere in the south, I would assume. Um, but two white siblings, Audrey and Philip, and then uh, they're in. Audrey's friend, black friend Zoe, who is also fucking Philip. Um, the two, uh, Philip's off doing what the fuck ever, whatever Chad's do on vacation. And Zoe said something about him being late. Right. Well, I guess it says he was rock climbing. So I don't remember that. I'm saying that, but. Um, he, anyway, so they decided to venture off on their own for the day and go to. The Museum of Negrosity, which is basically a museum that uh, shows the history of uh, black oppression, mm-hmm. um, you know, through the through the years, basically, basically all the way f- back to when uh, black people were first brought here from Africa. Um, it seems to focus more on like Jim Crow era type stuff. Yeah, like at one point there's like a chair made out of a slave ship. Yeah. But that's really the only like slavery thing that it really brushes on. Yeah. Most of well, it. Well, and the whip. Right. Um, yeah, most of it does focus on like Jim Crow era stuff. Um, a lot of, you know, uh, you know, minst- minstrel, uh, blackface type stuff. Um, a lot of like little mammy dolls, like Aunt Jemima type stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's like, this is all shit you can actually see in like, like, uh, antique stores. Mm hmm. It's like, God damn. I mean, just watching this and like knowing this stuff exists, especially when I went to like Louisiana and was going to, uh, um, antique stores. She was all over the place. It's like around here, you know, you'd find it every once in a while if you go, if you go out on, out antiquing to a dozen different antique stores one day you might find one in one store yeah there was seriously like at least one like almost every store down there <laughs> wow i didn't notice that when i was there but i didn't go to any antique stores so yeah we just we i think it was like the last day before vacation we were just kill, or last day before the end of vacation it was just killing time anyway um so they're just looking at this stuff and kind of laughing at how ridiculous it is um and uh, that's when the curator, which I don't think they ever give him a name, but the curator of the of the museum comes down the stairs and says, "You find this amusing?" I'm like, well, yeah, I'll look at it. 
He's like, you know, there was a time when slave owners could brand their slaves with hot iron. But once slavery was ended, the white man needed to find a new way to make sure the black man knew that he was his property. And so their their whips and their branding irons, they turned into ink and paints and other mediums um, saying basically all this Jim Crow, uh, these Jim Crow cartoons and um, things like minstrel shows and, you know, like ma- little mammy figures. Um, I hate fucking using the word, but I don't know how else to describe it. Um, they, uh, these, these were tools used by the white man to oppress, to continue to oppress and own the black man through the, you know, the rest of the 19th and through the 20th century. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, they just like, they still think it's ridiculous. Like, you know, Zoe's black, but she's not really in touch yeah <laughs> with her uh heritage heritage that's the word um and she's clearly been hanging out with audrey too long <laughs> and audrey is just like she's she's milky white she's, oh yeah she's like like super waspy upper crust like connecticut white yeah <laughs> um and uh yeah so they just well, it was funny, but and Audrey finds notices a doll on a shelf. It's it's an old gollywog doll. If you don't know what gollywog is, it's basically uh, it looks like a like a raggedy Ann, or raggedy Andy doll, except it's black. It has these big, ridiculous looking red lips on it. Um, it has like dreadlock hair on it, and it it looks like a little like Jim Crow doll. Um, just like super offensive in every way. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they're really sh- like shot it, shoddily made. Is that, is that a word? Shoddily? <laughs> I'm sure. Let's go with it. Um, and Audrey says, you know, I, I've got to have this. Can I buy it from you? And he's like, this is a museum. Nothing in here is for sale. Yeah. She says that her, her grandmother collected them and now she collects them. Right. And, and this one just looks just like her first. Yeah, and he he says this is these are all tools of oppression. These are these are racist figures. She's like, how can you think this is racist? You know, I I grew up with these things. I find them as a source of comfort. I don't. There's nothing racial about it. And he's he he makes some you know um, reference to when uh, white slave owners would have their black uh, house slaves or female house slaves actually breastfeed their children. Um, and she, he says, and these dolls were made on like the, the tit of oppression or these, these dolls were fed on the tit of oppression. He's like, just because you grew up with these in your childhood and thinking they were a thing of a source of safety and comfort doesn't mean they weren't, they're not oppressive and, and racist. And she's like 800 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> And he says, you know, people have come in here offering thousands of dollars, and even that wasn't good enough. So it's like, maybe you should leave. So they leave, but they come back later on that night with Philip. They break in with the sole intent of stealing that doll. <laughs> like, you need it that badly? Apparently. Um, so they break in, and uh, they're fucking around, and 
Audrey goes right for the doll, and Zoe and Philip are role playing, getting really hot and turned on by this whipping post. Yeah. Like Zoe pretends to be strapped to the post, and Philip pretends to be whipping her, and just getting them all, all moist. <laughs> and it's like, like I, I don't know that I can even count all the ways that that's wrong and disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> even if you did, there would probably be more that you didn't even know. Right. <laughs> um. Then the post falls over on top of Zoe, not, and it knocks Audrey, and she drops the glass case with the gollywog doll in it, and this somehow ignites the fury of the gollywog doll, who then grows to a six-foot-tall, man-sized doll. <laughs> he doesn't become more real. <laughs> he just turns into a giant doll. Yeah. With My the... girlfriend called him a mascot for racism. <laughs> yes, exactly. He no, you know what he looks like? Um, the little gingerbread man from the like Pillsbury or whatever commercials. Oh, the with the um, the, the guys like rock paper scissors. Yeah, yeah, the the uh, the, the coffee flavoring things. The yeah, creamers. Yeah, that's what it's for. Yeah, he yeah, looks yeah. like that little gingerbread man. Yes, I thought he looked like Mister Bill. He looked like he a does look little, like a black Mister Bill, like a racist black little Mister Bill. Oh no! Oh no! He's gonna be mean to me. <laughs> um. But it's like every time it would cut away from him, like he'd have like this this really savage, devious grin on his face, and then it would come back and he'd have like this like shocked, frowning face. Yeah, his face kept changing. It kind of reminded me of the uh the mascot in basketball. I don't know if you can remember that, but like how that, that thing's face would change from time to time. Did it look like Mr. Met? No, it was a it was a big old beer keg. With a face on it. Right, yeah. It might be a reach for most people. Um, Anyway, so uh, Zoe runs off and she gets uh, cut in half by this archway that was used in an old uh, chicken restaurant. It looked like a big old Jim Crow face. Yeah. But it had these big teeth around it and the teeth came slamming down on her like a guillotine and cut her in half. Yeah. And did you notice you could see like the corners? The corners? Yeah. Like there was the hole cut out, you know, where it would land on her, but the, where the area where it was cut out was square. <laughs> no, I didn't notice that. Instead of being round to go around her stomach. So you could see the corners on either side of her stomach. Oh man, that was, I, I didn't notice that. <laughs> it was the prop guy on that one. Why would you cut it square? I don't know. Why wouldn't you like measure her body and then just cut that? Exactly. And you know, make it out of something that's not going to cut actually cut her in half <laughs> yeah. if it happens to hit her. <laughs> anyway, so she's dead. And then uh he's Gollywog doll or the Gollywog doll pulls up or picks up a whip, or the same whip that Philip was using or pretending to use on Zoe, and actually starts whipping him like to death. Yep. He whips him so much that he tears off chunks from his abdomen and rips open his visceral cavity and all of his, his guts, guts pour just out. Fall out. Which was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. But silly. He, yes. Um His I, name is Golly G, by the way. Right, yeah. The the doll is named Golly G and Audrey. I keep wanting to call her Rachel. Um, Audrey 
is basically just sitting there watching all this happen. And then after Philip's dead, he turns around to go after her. And she's like, don't you see that I love you, golly gee? <laughs> and like then his face turns into like a face of shock. It's like, oh? <laughs> this is when I like, I shut off. Like This was fucking this ridiculous. Was dumb. <laughs> so she's like, can't you see I love you? And like, you get like a night to day shot to indicate the passage of time. But apparently it's several months because now she's pregnant and giving birth in the museum in the, for some reason. Did she just stay there? Yeah, did she just like move in? <laughs> I'm going to move into your place. She's like, no, he's my boyfriend now. We live together. And Gollywog's like, I got to go to work. And then he never comes home. <laughs> um, anyway, the museum curator, he's like, well, I can't take you to hospital because how the fuck am I going to explain this? <laughs> so he's just stapling up all this plastic sheeting. He's like, uh, good luck. Yeah, I don't think you're going to make it through this. So bye. <laughs> Her stomach splits open and all of these fucking gollywog dolls start shooting out of her stomach like fucking locusts and uh yeah and then she just dies yep and that's the end of that story yep then we went back to uh uh robo hell robo hell where you, like you get this like really poorly done computer graphics <laughs> Green. Story uploaded yeah. to Robo Patriot. It's like, can you imagine like, like how that would actually work? Imagine me trying to tell a ro- like a robot a story, <laughs> like how fucking disjointed my storytelling <laughs> is. It's like the thing would be confused as fuck. Yeah, it would probably try and kill like me. Probably. Yeah. Or like James Wan. Right. Um. (laughs) Anyway. So uh, yeah, beach. Beach is just like, uh, yeah, that was good. Good story. (laughs) Good, good one. (laughs) It's like, okay, let me tell another story. (laughs) This one was dumb. Like, I don't even want to talk about this one. You, like, got, you got to do it, man. <laughs> so we've got a John Edwards type TV psychic um, who I mean, right off the bat, he's revealed as a fraud. He's played um, by the, the dude from uh, uh, Mad Men. He was in that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Good one. Yeah. <laughs> I've I've seen him in other things, but I, I I could not forget or I cannot remember what it was. Um, and uh, elsewhere we've got a a group of guys beating the shit out of somebody who was like a kind of ref- he he was a pimp, but he's like reformed. the The lead into this story was Beach was like, you know, that was a good story, but it doesn't have enough crime for the for the Robo Patriot. So Sims is like. How about how about a story about gangsters? Right. He's like, yeah, gangsters. <laughs> um, you know, after that first story being just 
fucking off the wall and kind of dumb, especially at the end. Like he says, "All right, how about a movie, how about a story about gangsters?" And it's just like, "All right, cool." Getting back to getting back to the roots here. Yeah. And then nope. <laughs> um. Anyway, so this um, TV psychic, his name is John, John Lloyd. Lloyd. Um, and yeah, like I said, elsewhere these guys are beating the fuck out of this pimp who he he used to run like a bunch of whorehouses in the neighborhood. Um. And uh, this, also, this movie is much less centralized around the hood, um, especially because it takes place in, well, it was fil- filmed in Louisiana. It looked like Louisiana, so it was probably Louisiana. Probably. Anyway. <sighs> uh, yeah, he's, like, turned a corner. He's gone legit. He's owns a grocery store and something else. Car washes, I think. Oh, car washes, yeah. And he's like, he's like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make this place better. I'm trying to, you know, he's got a foundation. It, it gives br- back to kids. Yeah, I'm bringing jobs in the community. Yeah, I'm giving money to kids. I'm, I'm trying to get rid of all the shit in the neighborhood and make this place, make this a better place. And these gangsters are just like, oh, that's really nice. Give us your money. Yeah, I don't give a fuck though, because what I'm looking out for is me. If people want a job, I'll give them a job slinging dope on the street. Um, and, uh, yeah, then he, he ends up getting beaten to death. Um, but before the, he tells him where the money is, cause he's got something like $5 million, Five million yeah. that he's sitting on and they want it. Not because it's owed to them. They just want the money. Yeah. <laughs> um, my favorite line in this whole part though, is the guy's like, all right, I'll tell you where the money is. <laughs> I used to run this whorehouse over on. Elm Street or whatever. And he's like, on the top floor, there's a room all the way in the back with just the nastiest hoe. She'll do anything to anybody. That's your mama. The money's in her snatch. (laughs) That's so good. (laughs) Just does not give a fuck. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, he's already been beaten to shit. Like, his face is swollen. He looks like he's probably got a busted eye cavity and... Um. Yeah, he's just all fucked up, and he's still just talking shit. Yep. <laughs> you know, this, this is like that's a sign of like a guy who's been on the street for a long time. Yeah, and he's just not scared of these fucking guys that just came up out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so they beat him to death, but he then they but they didn't know they didn't find out where the money was. So one of them, I don't know their names aren't important. One of them sees this John Lloyd guy on TV and we already know as the audience that he's a fraud um, because he's got like speaker set up and like microphone set up in the seating area of the audience. So he can like, easily identify um, people in the audience and their problems. So he's, he's a complete fraud. He's, he's not psychic. He can't channel the dead, but these dumb assholes think that he can. So they scoop up this pimp's, uh, woman i don't know it's not a, i don't know if it's his wife or what but has her pose as this whore that's trying to bang lloyd he invites her in and that's when the three guys come in and say hey you're gonna tell us uh you're, you're gonna pull up cliff that was yeah cliff bettis that's the guy they beat to death you're gonna pull him up and uh he's gonna tell us where he hit the, hit the money 
And so he's freaking, or he says, uh, you know, what? Let's, let's just say for a second that I can't actually talk to the dead. He's like, oh, well, that's fine. We'll just beat you to death. Yeah, and rob your house. Yeah. Um, so that way, that way we're not leaving empty handed. So he's freaking out and he thinks he can get off on his good looks and his showmanship. Um, so he sits down, he, he sets up this bullshit seance, but he actually ends up channeling the spirits of a bunch of people that they actually killed. Uh, you know, one's like a, you know, Italian gangster. One's, um, <laughs> was Sammy the shark or something? Yeah. One's, uh, apparently like a, some kind of Latino gangster. Uh, another one's another, another gangster probably from like their gang or something. Um, wasn't one like one of their moms or something or an ex-girlfriend. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, that, that, he, that he choked to death. And then finally, um, Cliff pops up and, um, just says, you know, I'm not, I'm not telling you where the money is and, and, you know, I, I forget where the conversation goes from there, but basically now he's like a demon that has powers or something. Yep. And so he starts like, um, like the one thing I've learned from these two movies is that Rusty kind of thinks that dead people have powers. Right. Um, I mean, th- unless they're like the crow. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So he makes their gun stop working so he can't shoot them and, um, makes the one guy eat glass. Right. Oh, he, he's, did I say that he's actually possessed? Like he's possessed Lloyd's body. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he, he, he makes one guy eat glass. He makes one guy like his head turn around like 360 degrees. Mm-hmm. That guy's name was booze. <laughs> right. Um, and then the other guy, he electrocuted him to death said how about like he he says like uh something like um how about i give you some or give you a shock of like 500 volts or something like and then he pulls down these wires from a chandelier and electrocutes him with those uh like i don't think <laughs> i'm not an electrician but i don't think household wiring carries that much of a charge i wouldn't think so considering people like shock themselves on it all the time yeah um. Yeah, I think I think a standard voltage in a house is like 120 volts. I was gonna say 110. I think it's 110. You're right. Anyway, um, so he's they're all dead now, and he's still possessing Lloyd's body, uh, which I felt sent a really bad message. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, it's a black guy possessing the body of a white guy. But it like on paper looks wrong because you just had a white guy kill three black guys. Yeah. It's like I know what you're trying to do, but I think you uh misread the situation here. Yeah. I can see that. Maybe you should have had the psychic be black too. Huh? I said maybe the psychic should have been black too. Yeah. Or at least a minority. Yeah. <laughs> um then he goes back on TV and he's just like all right, bitches, I'm a fucking psychic. Yeah. He's like, which one of you motherfuckers wants to go first? <laughs> um, yeah, so then, you know, that story gets uploaded. Uploaded to Robo Patriot. 
Um, I, I can't remember the transitions. They were so insignificant. Yeah, they really are. The next story uh, is called Date Night. Uh, these guys, white guy and a black guy, are driving in a uh, car, looking at these tin- girls on Tinder. Um, and apparently they've got like a double date set up with them. So they're driving to their house. Um, they pull up and, oh, they're, they're like, cause they, uh, the white guy, Ty, he told him that he was a agent and his friend Kahad was a casting director. Right. And that was how they got the double date. Um, and yeah, they, sh- they show up at their house and. They go in and they start having some drinks and um, they play cards against humanity. Wrong, Lee. That that scene may be so frustrating because everything they were doing was just wrong. The whole way they were playing the game was wrong. <laughs> what? What was wrong? So like they read a card, and then they're like five, four, three, two. I'm like the time limit was weird. Yeah. yeah and then they like they pick up the cards and like all right, Ty says. Kahad says, I'm like, wait, you're not supposed to know who says what? Yeah. I mean, you can, I guess. It's just, it. that's to eliminate any kind of favoritism. Yeah. And then when they won, they would give them the white card. I'm like, no, no, give them the black card. <laughs> the one you just drew. <sighs> anyway, um, so they play that for a while, and then they go and start having more drinks. And, um, like, before I knew what was happening, like, so I, I can't remember who it was. It was probably Ty. Drops some pills in in their drinks, the girls' drinks. Then they drink the drink, or they drink the booze or whatever the hell it is, and they're like, "Mine tastes kind of funny." <laughs> Mine too. And then it flashes to them being knocked out and them carrying up carrying them upstairs to the bedroom. And I'm just like, dude, they were probably, they were down to clown. Yeah, they're. DTF, man. You didn't have to drug them. Yeah. I literally said that to my girlfriend. <laughs> she was like, I know, right? Um, so she was they, like, yeah, I'm pretty sure they would have fucked them. Yeah. They're they're all set up to fuck them already. Yeah. Like, no need for it. That's like doubling down, but like ruining it for yourself. <laughs> and I, I actually said that to my wife. I'm like, they were probably going to fuck anyway. You didn't need to drug them. But then this next part happens where they're passed out on the bed, stripped down to their underwear, and they're setting up a camera on a tripod. Um, and my wife's like, oh, they probably wouldn't let them do that. I'm like, eh, good point. And yeah, they might. You never know until you ask. Yeah, they were ready to fuck two guys that they just met from Tinder. So Yeah. Um, but, so they're looking in the camera, and the only thing that they can see is their underwear. Is CGI underwear. <laughs> And this took me like, actually, I'm disappointed in myself that it took me the few seconds that it did to figure out what was going on. Oh, I got it right away. <laughs> Although in my mind, it was a question, not a statement. I was like, are they vampires? Mm. So, but they are like, they look away. They're looking at each other. They're just like, <laughs> and they look back at the camera and then the underwear is standing up and they look and the girls are standing on the bed and hissing and, you know, they're vampires. They're so, all like, blah, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I don't say blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I never said blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, so stupid. <laughs> so they jump on them and start sucking their blood as vampires do, <laughs> as they want to do. <laughs> um, 
and then the guys wake up in this dungeon like just it, it almost like, looked like a stable yeah but it's like got you know it looks like a prison cell but right next to them are a bunch of hissing maniacal male vampires and the this big flat screen turns on it's hanging over the cell which seems really out of place yeah i think it'd be like a like a shitty little crt or something <laughs> um the girls come on, just like, yeah, you know, sometimes we bite guys, and, you know, usually they die, but sometimes they turn, and we just can't let them roam the streets, so we just keep them down here. And we let them feed on the leftovers. And that's when they release them. They're like, we're just a couple of predators, just like you. Oh, uh, yeah, okay, I guess that was, that, that was the message, and it took forever to get there. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, basically sexual predators getting their comeuppance from a predator of a different sort. Um, and it's like, when it got there, I'm like, oh, okay. But the entire time, I'm like, where is this fucking going? Yeah. And, you know, maybe a smarter person would have picked on it faster, but whatever. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, they're, so they're dead. And then we go back. Story uploaded to Robo Patreon. Yeah. Um... Then we, okay, so we jump back into story mode, and this is a story of a real person, like a, well, sort of a dramatized, dramatized version of a real person named Emmett Till, um, who was a 14-year-old boy in the 50s that was beaten to death in Mississippi because he dared do something to insult a white girl. Um, he was... Uh, taken by two white men and he refused to um he refused to apologize for what he did because he felt like he shouldn't need to answer to white people like and i mean like this was dramatized 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 why do i keep saying dramatized no dramatized is right is it yeah dramatized Okay, well, he was dramatized, um, and I don't know the story super well. I just know little bits and pieces of it. So I'm just going to go off of what happens here. He basically says, uh, you know, I'm a man, and I'm going to die a man, my, to my, or I'm going to be a man to my last, um, my last breath. And he says, like, at no point will I be a N-word. <laughs> um and so, yeah, he, this kid was actually really beaten to death. Um, it went on where his mother uh, made it a public thing. And it was actually, this was kind of, this really ignited the civil rights movement in the 50s. Um, because this poor boy was beaten to death mercilessly by two white men for over nothing. Like, nothing. Um, just because they felt like, how dare a black person disrespect a white person? Um, and yeah, this set off a chain of events that eventually became the civil rights movement. Um, current day, we go to, um, what was his name? Uh, Henry. Henry, um, who was a councilman in in the same town. <clears throat> 
right? It's in Mississippi. It's in I don't Mississippi. know if it's the same town, but but he's basically shilling for a man who uh, is running for governor of Mississippi, who is like he's basically a modern day Republican, where he's blatantly racist but good at making it seem like he's not, or like having having a very good ability to deny everything and make it seem like. Oh, it's being blown out of proportion. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. His name is William Cotton. He looks like Colonel Sanders. He does look like Colonel Sanders. And his... his or uh, Mark Twain. His tagline is, take Mississippi back. Yep. And it's like, every time he would say it, you're like, this is just a thinly veiled, make America great again. Yeah. I mean, it, it absolutely is. Um. And so this this is really confusing because you don't really know exactly what this story of Emmett Till is because they don't really see any names. Yeah. You just think it's a, a black boy being taken from his home and being beaten to death. But it keeps jumping back and forth between that and Henry's story. Henry um, is, a, is a black man, um, and he has a white wife who is pregnant, um, and it's revealed that he actually had... Um, they had actually recently miscarried, and they couldn't figure out why, because everything seemed to be going well. But then she just miscarried out of nowhere. Um, but his wife seems to be kind of going a little crazy, and Henry and the doctors they're becoming concerned of the welfare of the baby. Orders are on bed rest, um, and meanwhile, Henry is trying to organize this fundraiser for for Cotton. And basically be a, you know, um, campaign manager. He's also been promised by Cotton that once he takes the governor's house, that, oops, that Henry will get bumped up to mayor of their town. Um, his wife, what's his name? Emily. Um, yeah, Emily keeps dreaming about Emmett and his plight, but keeps saying that she, he's trying to kill our baby. And it's like, uh, did you understand what the hell that she was talking about? Were you as confused as I was? It was like, if he chose to apologize and chose to live, then um, the whole civil rights thing never would have happened. Right. I mean, it eventually got to that point. But, like, as you're watching it, did you understand what the hell is going on? No. No, no. Okay, yeah. It all came together at the end. Yeah. Um, but while you're watching it, she's like, what? What? But, yeah, she's apparently being stalked by Emmett, who is, according to her, threatening to kill their baby. And Henry's just kind of like, I don't have time to deal with this. I'm very busy. <laughs> um, and uh, his mother who is very disappointed in him being a black man shilling for a, a white racist. Um, uh, she goes and gets, took me a minute to figure out who the hell he was, but he's, he was the other black guy that was with the two white guys that killed till. Yeah. Um, and he comes and he actually sees the ghost of Emmett. And finds out what he wants. And he says, um, he died. He made a sacrifice so you can have the life that you have now. Um, 
and but now he has he's seeing you in the position that you are he sees the world as it is now and now he's reconsidering his decision to die you know he voluntarily allowed those men to take his life when he easily could have apologized and walked away but then he would have essentially been a slave i mean i mean not as as far as labor goes but just in his mind he would have continued to be a slave because he would have bent to the will of these white men over nothing yeah um that's why he said he like i'm i'm gonna die a man i'm not gonna die a slave or something to that effect um and yeah so he's like you know he's talking to henry eventually or no so okay see his mom and what was his name? The other black guy. Oh, well. So he... The, the other black guy says, you know, you, you need to, uh, you know, fix what you're doing because Cotton wants to close polling stations or election polling t- stations that also happen to be in predominantly black districts. Sound familiar to anyone? Um, and, you know, Henry's basically rationalizing it like a lot of these Republicans that know wrong is being done are just kind of looking the other way. <clears throat> Jeff Flake. Um, and... uh he says, you know, he he wants you to step up and you know, be be a man and you know, take the initiative to stand up for your heritage and for your for your um for for black people in general. And he basically you know waves it off, and uh, I'm. This this story was so because it was so back and forth it's hard to keep track. Of yeah, this one was a little confusing. I mean, like I can see it in my head and it makes sense, but to try and explain it, it's difficult. Well, they're having a political rally for Cotton at their house, mm-hmm. and Cotton is like making all these subtle racist comments. Yeah, he's like, "Oh, look at this black guy." I mean, subtly saying, "Look at this black guy with this big house and his white wife." Yeah, he's like, he would have, you know, if back in the day he would have been serving this party instead of hosting it. Mm-hmm. Um, but his wife's like, she keeps, seems like she's going more and more crazy. And she goes outside with a knife threatening to kill someone who we can't see. Um, but she says like, she turns around and she says, look like her stomach is actually shrinking. It's almost like the, like the baby is regressing. Um, and, uh, the doctor comes to see her and says, yeah, it's like, it's the weirdest thing. I've never seen anything like this. And, he refuses to take the advice of Emmett to heart and continues along supporting Cotton, basically going against everything his heritage stands for. Um, and so that's when Emmett effectively decides that he's not going to die for this. Uh, and so the whole world changes in an instant, like so fast, like I didn't even realize it had happened. I think it was overnight. Was it was it even that long? It seemed like it happened within seconds. 
I don't know. Unless I missed something. It seemed to me like it was overnight, but I don't know. Because he calls a doctor back, and the doctor comes over, and he's like, hey, Dr. What? Gwinnett. Well, no, he calls him by his first name. Oh, yeah. Like, um, George or something? I don't know. Martin. Martin. He says, hey, Martin. He's like, that's Dr. Gwinnett to you. And he goes up and checks um, checks his wife. And uh, it's it's really subtle at first, but he starts making, like, you know, racial comments, like saying, I, um, you know, I don't know what you're doing in this house, but you better get out. And like, if you hurt this woman, then, you know, you're going to, you're going to pay for it. Yeah. And then like, he finds out Henry is the dad and he's like, Nope, I'm leaving. I can't work for no interracial couple. Yeah. And so that's when Henry grabs him by the shirt and the arm and like starts forcing him out of the house. And that's uh, when his wife, Emily, she comes down with a lamp. And hits him in the face. Yeah. It says, says that he raped her. Yeah. And he says, don't you dare touch a white white man. Um, and so the, basically the whole world has come apart. Like basically all the, the racial oppression that was prevalent in the 50s, in the, predominantly in the South, um, you know, that specific South Southern brand of racism uh, never went away. And, in, and if anything, it's become worse because apparently... Someone called the fuss. <laughs> and the clan patrol shows up. This is when I start to shut off. Yeah. Because this was stupid. Yeah. Um, Led by Cotton. Right. Who's no longer a mayor for some reason. Nope. If anything, you'd think he'd be more powerful. Yeah. But no, he's just sheriff of the clan police. <laughs> who are, is this, yeah, this police force, this group of guys that jump out of these jeeps wearing white like tyvek suits and hoods were they wearing hoods mm-hmm. well, I don't they didn't go over their face but they had like the hood hat i don't remember that at all i remember them wearing like helmets well at least cotton was wearing one so i don't know how i missed that anyway um yeah, they just get out and they start beating the hell out of Henry and his mom and the the other guy were still there talking to Emmett, saying, "You know, try, try to wheel and deal with him." He's like, "Just sorry, he's not going to do it unless you know he want he wants to talk to you." And Henry's like, or he says, "You know, you need to make a sacrifice." It's like in order to justify mine. It's like if I could see that you're willing to make a sacrifice, I'll make my sacrifice. And Henry's just like, no, fuck you. Uh, but so he goes back to this world, or this fucked up world, and you know, Emmett starts to disappear, and the clan patrol starts beating the hell out of him and his mom, and and I wish I knew the other guy's name. <laughs> I feel bad calling the other guy. Mister Winters, is that him? Might have been. I don't know. The actor doesn't have a picture. Um, I don't think they ever called him my name. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. Um, yeah, so they all get in their, start getting their asses handed to him, and Emily spits in his face, and he, he, he breaks away, and he runs back to Emmett before he fully vanishes, and he says, I'll do it, I'll do it. He's like, are you sure? He's like, he says, yeah, I'm a man. So he lets the clan patrol capture him, 
and they beat him to death. Yeah. I didn't get it. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I get that he was making a sacrifice of his own. But then once the world reset, because like when he died, that's when Emmett said, okay, well, I'll go die now. Um, the world reset, but Henry was still dead. So he made this sacrifice, but... It's like now that the world has reset, what was the sacrifice? He's just dead. That's the sacrifice. But what was the point? It's not like he, like, you know, with Emmett Till, like I said, it set off the civil rights movement. It it made all these, made the black people in the, in the South, or, you know, in Mississippi, just say, what the fuck? But like, what was this doing? He's just dead. I don't know. It set things back to the way they were. I mean, I guess, but it's like, you know, you kind of expect like someone like Cotton to kind of get his comeuppance and he just didn't. In fact, he he was there for some reason. He he wasn't there previously. I mean, not as himself, as the clan leader he was, but as just Cotton, the politician, he wasn't there. But now he is. And he's just like looking over Henry's dead body. He's kind of like, hmm, weird. (laughs) (laughs) And everybody's just like, what happened? Because they don't remember. But Henry's dead. I just don't understand. Yeah, everyone just runs up and he's just like beaten to death in the yard. Yeah. And they're just like, what? <laughs> like he was just fine and now he's dead. Yeah. I mean, you could make an argument, I guess, that this is like, it might do the same thing. It might say, oh, well, black man was beaten to death. We don't know by who, but he was beaten to death. So maybe we need to reevaluate our, you know, political standings or something i don't know i don't either i i was confused by this one pretty much the whole time yeah but there was a bunch of appearances by like other uh historical black figures um most of whom i don't know by name but like even martin luther king made an appearance who they only called dr king yeah like like they never said martin luther it was always just dr king maybe his name is a registered trademark it might be um Anyway, so then we jump back. Story uploaded to yeah. Robo Patriot. That's when Beach says, "Oh, I didn't like that story one bit," because he didn't like the idea of a white man beating the shit out of a black man being seen as a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so they start with their presentation for the, like the 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 Robo Patriot has its full potential now or whatever and so they go to make their public presentation um and the royal patriot acts uh, or you know starts up and starts doing its job like said okay we've we've placed several people with small crimes in their history in the audience we're going to see if the robo patriot can pick them out and it sweeps the audience and says i've discovered you know six people with small crime or small misdemeanors in their past please turn yourselves in to avoid further murder <laughs> something and he says oh i've discovered some illegal immigrants too and you know the i think there's something else then he says or then the robot says uh i've discovered a clear and immediate threat 
to American security or, you know, the, the welfare of American life or society or whatever. And his face splits open. Like he's got this like goofy, almost like cartoon ant looking face. That's all like red, white, and blue. He looks like the iron Patriot a little bit. Um, and, uh, except like, like a sweeted <laughs> iron Patriot. Yeah. Uh, but then his face splits open and he's got like this robot skull looking thing. <laughs> and he's like, you have seven seconds to comply. Um, and he starts shooting lasers at, at beach and just like in <laughs> all of the beach employees. You're missing the best part where he was like, I identify dumbass bitch. Right. <laughs> and he like looks at the audience. He's like, Oh, I think he means Dumas beach. He's like, no, dumbass bitch. Dumbass bitch. That's you. Um, so he kills the associates two. of dumbass bitch. <laughs> so he shoots his the robot shoots his two little cronies with a laser and they're dead. And then he goes starts chasing after Beach himself, shooting red, white, and blue lasers at him. <laughs> it's like, come on, really? And then Sims rolls up. So Sims rolls up in his fucking hoopty and. <laughs> It's like it's like a big ass Escalade. Um, and you know, says, "Hey, going my way," and he hops in, and they take off. And he's been sh- like, Beach has been shot by the, one of the lasers in the chest, and seems like he might slowly be dying. And you can kind of see where it's going from here. Yep. Basically, he's driving him to hell, and then he turns into. He's like, a, "This ain't what do you say? This ain't a limo, and you ain't something." I don't know. It's whatever. And then you realize it's a hearse. Yeah. And you see Beach's body in the coffin. He's like, welcome to hell, motherfucker. <laughs> this is when all of a sudden Keith David is just decides he's going to go crazy. <laughs> and you're like, hey, Keith, can you be more like Clarence Williams? Did you also notice he had a wardrobe change? No. Yeah, he was wearing that badass jacket and I think a necktie. Yeah. But then in, when he was in the car, he was wearing just a plain black jacket and a bow tie. Oh, I did not notice that. Yeah. Uh, then he turns into a much less impressive devil. Yeah. Um, and then it just kind of abruptly ends, just like the first one. That's it. Yep. Wow, almost two hours of reviews. Sorry. <laughs> anyway. No one's going to listen to this. No. Nobody ever listens. People just think we're dumb. Dumb, dumb, dumb. Anyway, uh, this wasn't very good. Like, I can tell that they were trying to modernize what they did in the 90s. And I don't know why it didn't work, I guess. It just didn't. This one felt a little more heavy-handed. It did. Like, they, the first one was trying to be clever. This one was just, like, it's like the difference between, like, a a sword and a club. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it lacked that like fun factor that the first one had. Yeah. I mean, you know, the first one had, uh, you know, it, it was a horror movie. This one really just wasn't a horror movie. I mean, it had like supernatural things to it or in it, but all in all, it just wasn't, I, I don't know that I'd really qualify it as much of a horror. You're right. 
What? He was just wearing a black jacket and a bow tie and a, that giant flame pin. Yeah. And then when he turns into the devil, he's wearing a red jacket. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. Okay. Focus. What? Wrapping up here. Okay. Wrap it up then. Okay. You don't want to talk a little bit? I said what I wanted to say. Okay. This one feels a little more heavy-handed. I agree with you and to an extent about the the horror thing. Yeah, it's it's much more like sociopolitical but with like a supernatural bent as opposed to like being a horror supernatural with a sociopolitical bent. Yeah. Yeah, and I felt like a lot of the like some of the stories were very similar to the ones in the original. Um, particularly this one with, uh, with Henry, um, you know, being, you know, it, it, it may be, uh, contemporary and it may be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, apt, I guess, but it was very similar to the one they already told. Like, you know, you've got, uh, I guess maybe told from the other end as opposed to with, uh, the one with Corbin Burson, where it was showing this racist wannabe politician, you know, getting his ass kicked by a bunch of dolls. It kind of showed the black man who works for the white guy, you know, why he shouldn't be doing that. I don't know. I'm I'm losing my own train of thought. <sighs> I don't know. I I was really hoping for more from this. Yeah. Especially being that it was uh, made by the same people. Yeah. Uh, but it just uh, it just wasn't all that good. Not, not particularly. I don't. I mean, it wasn't. I don't think it was awful, but it was definitely disappointing. Yeah. I mean, I'd say it was good for like a sci-fi movie. Sure. It looked like one. The way it was shot. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's just the difference between shooting and digital and shooting on film but um yeah. I don't know I guess that's it what do you think I'm gonna give it a five hmm I think I'll do a four it was okay I just don't think I'll watch it again yeah like I said, I mean, it's not terrible, but it's definitely disappointing coming off the first one. Yeah. Good. All right. Well, that's going to do it. This episode somehow turned into what was going to look like a short episode, and now it's probably going to be a very long episode. Yeah, it's going to be one of our longer ones. It's uh, almost three hours. You're welcome. Or it might be over three hours, actually. Um. Anyway. Just cut some shit out. I'm not going to do that. Just say we didn't. This doesn't matter. Just cut it out. You know how much work that'll be. I don't have time for that shit. I'm just going to leave it as is. And if people don't want to listen, fuck them. <laughs> anyway, so that's episode 122. Yep. Are you so happy? Yep. Happy it's over. Yeah. It's a really long episode. <laughs> and like, I'm kind of, I'm just deflated by the fact that I really didn't like <laughs> Tales from the Two. Yeah. And like now that I'm talking about it and I like actually I think I dislike it more now. 
Um, it's just really disappointing, especially because it's Keith David. Like, how do you mess with Keith David? For yeah. For fuck's sake. Anyway. All right. Well, that's it. And we're going to go because we've been here too long. Yep. Uh, we'll be back again in a couple weeks with our Christmas episode, right? Yep. Neat. We're going to be talking about uh, all the creatures are stirring and... And hopefully Anna and the Apocalypse. Right. It's supposed to be out nationwide on the 7th, but I haven't seen any showtimes around here, so... Oh, we gotta go to the theater. Yeah, I thought it was coming to VOD, but apparently it's not. Fudge. All right. Anyway, so... um, If not, we'll watch something else. Okay. Anyway, so that'll be a happy, happy, fun, joy time. Christmas. (laughs) We're doing really well. (sighs) All right. So, Taylor. (laughs) Graveplotpodcast.com. Twitter, grave underscore plot. Instagram and Facebook, graveplotpodcast. Join our Facebook group, The Graveyard. Uh, join us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast for exclusive content. Get your tickets to the Great Plot Film Fest at greatplotfilmfest.com and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave us a rating and review. Uh, send us an email. Let us know you did. Tony will send you a free sticker. I will. Nope, magnet. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a magnet. It is a magnet. And I'll do it. I swear to God, I'll do it. It'll stick, but only to things that are metal. Yeah, and but only like magnetic metal. Yeah, that's how magnets work. Not all metal is magnetic. I know. I was agreeing with you. Oh. <laughs> all right. I thought you were being smug. Okay. Um. Did you say Patreon? Yep. Oh, right. And uh, YouTube, guys. Oh, yeah. Hopefully, there will be two videos by now. If not, there's the one. Go watch it. Let me know what you think. Even if it sucks. It probably sucks. Did you watch it? No, all of it. Long as shit. <laughs> it's fucking long. It's like half an hour of your life that you'll never get back. Anyway. All right, guys. We'll catch up with you at episode 123. Till then, I'm Skeletoni. I'm Taylor of Terror. This has been the Great Flat Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. It's a Sunday night In my hood show you fire But the players and hustlers know We gonna get that ass tonight So we gon' roll out to the town Can't forget the strap, hell no Cause ain't no telling what's back When home is straight out for the dragon The hot men players know about this Toss out the dean and the chocolate Stumping out the city streets to find that free for the way. Uh, I'm gonna sound bad, but it's all good. He's on the tapes, tapes from the present. Gonna sound bad, but it's all good. He's on the tapes, tapes from the present. Gonna sound bad, but it's all good. He's on the tapes, tapes from the present. Now these are the tales and you know it's all good It's all the same and ain't no change in every neighborhood uh, Now back in the days when I was a scrub My uncles had me shoving, had me pushing dimes to dust Now the dimes went to